Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nicolosi steps up into the end zone in a crowd. No good. Picked off by Woods and it's over. Buffalo's winning. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Etienne picks his way, follows his block, and first still going. Etienne in the foot race. And he'll win it. Touchdown, Gators. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Quick toss from Xavier Worthy. Worthy is done. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Nevis kick on the way. It's good. There's a flag down. Missouri at the moment has walked it off. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Jefferson, under pressure, and set. Flags everywhere, and BYU is going to win this football game. Daniels on first down, going to take a shot to the end zone, and Neighbors comes up with it. Malik Neighbors, outstanding touchdown catch from Jaden Daniels. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome in, 365 Sports. The Paul Catalina solo edition on Fridays. Jack says I look lonely at the desk, but I have all of you here live on the YouTube channel and all of you watching later who I can call my friends. So, yes, I'm down two people, but I'm up thousands. So, uh, anyway, big week, week four, week four. I keep calling it week three between Jack and I, and I hope it's not, uh, like, 
onset senility that I keep the, like moving back in time. I, I like I I do feel like I'm about to be like you don't even know what a touch tone phone is, Jack. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think you're just trying to to go so far in the past that Florida State, you know, is still good because uh, you're so concerned se- about that Clemson. Look, game. it's been seven years. It's been seven years. So I don't know in my whole life as an FSU fan, you know, since I went there as a student, that we've been dominated by somebody. We haven't. You know, maybe Florida. You know, there was like an 0 and 5 run against Miami. There was maybe an 0 and 5, 0 and 6 against Florida, and now like 0 and 7 against. Like since I've been a, a fan, since I've been a student, there there've not been many runs like this. Uh, so yeah, that's a big one. That's one of the first games that will be on television on on Saturday, an eleven o'clock kick there in the other Death Valley, uh, the fake Death Valley. No, it's it's still a really tough place to play there. They. They go and they touch a rock, and everybody gets all fired up. Uh, it's, oh, man. It's, uh, it's wild. It's wild. No, I mean, look, this is such an awesome week for college football, and I could not be more excited that uh, you know it starts with a game like that and that I, could, I do get time before the end of the day to reconcile with my emotions, good or bad, uh, by the end of it. But that's just one of, of many, many great games. There is a huge story. Um, and I don't like. I cannot convey how big this would be if it goes through in the NCAA in in a way that maybe no one will realize. We'll get to that in a second, but I want to go through the the schedule first. And look, you've got you know of the big games this week: FSU, Clemson. We've already talked about Oregon and Colorado is gonna you know the big noon kickoff is gonna be there. Again, um, you know, that, that one's at, at 2.30. Then next week in Los Angeles, big noon kickoff's going to be there. Again, they've been with Colorado the entire season, and that's Deion Sanders versus the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. That game is going to kick off at 9 o'clock local time. That is how hype Dion has made things where you can kick off a game, a big game. This isn't the UCLA game last year that they kicked off at 9 o'clock in the morning because they knew that nobody was going to be there because of a like a COVID shutdown and, and all that. They played in the Rose Bowl in front of a, a group of tens of people. Uh, that This is not that at all. This is a national championship contending team versus the upstart Colorado Buffaloes at 9 a.m. And they're co- supremely confident that, look, all the rest of us will be up, but like that people on the West Coast who have even a, a more vested interest in it because they're USC fans will just get up and watch it. Like, all right, top of the morning to you. Let's get our eggs and start watching football. Yeah, that's in, that's completely insane to me. Yeah. And I I wouldn't want to be one of the players who has to get up and play that early. Like, I, I would not be ready to play a football game at 9 a.m., no. I could definitely watch a football game at 9 a.m. Crack me a cold beer just first thing in my morning. Yeah, that sounds honestly, that sounds great. My, my favorite thing about the NFL in London is literally I get up, I like take a shower, I get out of the I get out of the shower and I'm you know making some toast and I'm like, oh hey, Jacksonville and Baltimore. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, think Amanda's Paul, too too much of a fan of that because it's like, oh, now there's even more. Today that you're gonna watch, yeah. Well, yeah. Paul, why do you think? Why do you think part of why I like soccer is European soccer? I oh. just wake up. I can wake up on Saturday morning instead of watching whatever talking heads are yeah. talking about college football with takes that I don't agree with. I'm just watching soccer. Like I, I watch game and then game and then game. Yeah. No, I, I've done that before. Like as I've gotten more and more interested in it, it's probably your fault. But yeah. more and more interested in it, and 
after the world, like I think the World Cup this year did a better job of like highlighting where guys are once they're not playing for their countries. So if I say, "Ooh, I like that guy. He's from Holland. He was, you know, let's watch this dude. He's pretty. He was pretty good in that in World Cup." So I'll watch a little bit of that. But yeah, this is this is like that, and we have more premiership talk and what that means for college football and the. Pac-12 Mountain West thing later on in the show. Jack's got some some pretty interesting thoughts on it as a uh, a soccer enthusiast. Yeah. A, a footballer. Promotion or relegation in college football is a very interesting idea that probably won't happen. Yeah, it might happen on the small scale, but it like the SEC was never gonna, is never going to agree to that. Yeah. Ever in a million years. But I mean, hey, we, we've yeah. heard talk of a Super League breaking away, so why not talk about another soccer well, look, soccer kind of structure? The, if the Super over. League breaks away, honestly, that's what everybody else should do. You're right. That's what everybody should say. Absolutely right. If if you if you eventually come to 32 teams that are the college football Super League, and everybody else is left out in the cold, just do that. And then eventually, you might see the Super League trade one of their worst teams for the best team from all the rest and then all of a sudden you attach to the system anyway yeah yeah well you'll you'll be alive for that jack i probably won't uh we'll see uh, i don't know if i want to be alive for that. <laughs> you utah and ucla a very interesting game cam rising's coming back alabama and ole miss this one went on our picks was it's really hard to pick against nick saban to lose two home games in a row but it was so tempting i did you know i, I like i just I think that Alabama is not themselves today. Now, two, three, four weeks from now, they could find their stride, even like grabbing some maybe tough or like ugly wins. But right now, today, they're not themselves. And I think that that's a, a pretty big distinction. Um, you know, uh, let's see. That's a, BYU and Kansas is going to be a really good game. Um, neither of those teams are, are ranked right now. Uh, I would s- assume that the winner of that one might sneak into the bottom of the rankings because that that's a, that's a nice win for either side. LSU and Arkansas is a great rivalry game. Oregon State and Wazoo. We've got a guest uh, that covers Wazoo later on. Might be might be the best overall matchup of the weekend when yeah. it all comes down to it. I mean, you got two exciting quarterbacks. You've got a lot a lot to honestly play for already. Like it, it's the Pac-12 opener for them, uh, but there's a uh, lot on the line. Honestly, most years, and it's up against. It's at six. At 6.30 is Ohio State and Notre Dame. We'll talk to Joey Kaufman in 20 minutes. He covers the Buckeyes for the Columbus Dispatch. But if you've told me I can only watch one, Oregon State and Washington State, or Ohio State and Notre Dame, which most years I'd be like, Ohio State and Notre Dame, what are you talking about? This year I'd be like, no, I'm not picking one. I'm not picking one. I've got multi-view, right? Yeah, I I can go back and forth. Like, no, you get one television with one channel. That would be a very hard choice. If Sam Hartman wasn't as good as he is, I think I'd be picking Washington State, Oregon I State. I might still. And you know how much I, I like Sam Hartman and enjoy his work. Oh, you're, enjoy you're work. an absolute Sam Stan. I am. I am. I appreciate people who do their job efficiently. And even though it may not be spectacular, they do it efficiently. Like Chris Evans. Please explain. Look, I like Chris. Like Chris Evans, big fan of his acting work. But... And he and he's I heard I read an, this the reason it's in my head is I read an interview with him. He's like, look, I'm not trying to be like I want to do what I want to do. So I'm not trying to be a leading man all the time. Like if I get a good role, I'm going to take it. But you know, if you watch him and stuff, he's really good. But there's always like in the Avengers, like he's on screen with Robert Downey Jr. 
Everybody in that scene, no matter how good of an actor they are, Scarlett Johansson, excellent actor, absolutely fantastic actor, Sam Jackson, excellent. Everybody is not Robert Downey Jr. No, he's here. Everyone else is is a little bit below. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's excellent actors in that, but and again, they're also not being given their like most challenging role ever. I get that, but that's what I want to see. Like, I'm I'm appreciative of someone who shows up and they're just good in everything. That they do. Even in the bad stuff that they do, you're like, well, he wasn't bad. Yeah. Like, he wasn't the problem. The script was the problem. Sam Hartman is that guy. He is going to have some games. You're like, ooh, wow, that was that was really good. But he is so steady Eddie good and efficient when he needs to be. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He's America's QB. I, I, don't, I, don't, re, I don't revel in chaos. I like efficiency. Fair enough. I, I can talk forever. It gets a little boring sometimes. I, I know, but look, I I'm very ha- my my Starbucks by me remodeled, and it's become very efficient to go and pick it up. I talked about it with my wife for 15 minutes until she's like, "You're a dork." I said, "Yeah, but it was such a pain in the ass before. Now it's great." So I, that's who Sam Hartman is. He's the efficient Starbucks for me. There's a million like him, but this particular one, super efficient. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, we, you know, will be covering Texas and Baylor tomorrow. It's a little bit different uh, because of the, it's a sellout. There's going to be a lot of traffic. So we are on a little bit earlier and ending a little bit earlier. So we'll be on from uh, 4 to 5.30 uh, as opposed from 4.30 to 6 like we normally would be. So, um, but yeah, we'll be on and we'll be on the CW tomorrow for the pregame show. Um. Adam McDonald just asked me how much the Big Sky TV contract is worth. That is something I will never probably know off the top of my head. But, Adam, I appreciate you thinking that I would know that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for the credit that I don't deserve (laughs) on knowing that. Uh, Okay. The big news I teased earlier is that an NCAA committee recommended removing marijuana from list of banned drugs. Now, I know that this will probably be a polarizing topic in the chat and all around because people have polarizing opinions on marijuana. I will tell you who this will not be polarizing for, but you'll never hear a word from most of them on it. And that is the coaches. And here's why. Have you heard one NFL coach complain about it? Owner? No. That when they did that in the NFL? I don't think so. NBA? No. No? No, I I think the NBA owners possibly were openly rejoicing. Yeah. Do you know, and do you know why they're rejoicing? Because nothing they have done, suspensions, nothing, nothing they have done has curbed it. And it's something that they have to deal with no matter what. Now, does that make it right for people to do? Not necessarily, but I do think that we are open as a country for a more productive discussion on marijuana and its benefits. And just like everything, there are good with the bad. If you, if you have a chronic problem that you're chronically using something for, whether that's marijuana or anything else, it's not good if, if, if a substance becomes part of your whole day. That's bad. It's bad if it's food. It's bad if it's drink. It's bad if it's anything. So understanding that and seeing that there are benefits that could be gleaned from it, then I do think that the NCAA is being very smart here in stop swimming against the, the current 
and figure out how to make this work for you as opposed to trying to stop something you are never going to stop. And I'm not going to go into the long, boring history lesson of why marijuana got treated the way it was when it did under, under Richard Nixon because that's not what kind of show this is. But we have a 50-year a history of doing this backwards in America, and I think that's starting to change. Now, everybody can feel how they want to feel about it. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm definitely right or you're definitely wrong. I'm not here to tell you that. There's one thing for certain in all of this. It's that kids who are college age are likely to try it. Yeah. At least try it. Yeah. And so that's going to be a big deal for athletes and for people, you know, in there that are, they're having to suspend athletes for this, for games and games and games and games all the time. So that, that'll be interesting to see to take it off the plate and they can treat it just like anything else. Kid goes out and parties too hard, isn't, um, isn't ready to play, gets suspended. He's suspended anyway. He's not suspended because of, of something that could be used for a lot of different ways. So I think that's a pretty huge story in the NCAA and their, uh, and they're relenting on it. Uh, Clint Moses said NIL weed deals. That is something I don't think they will allow because they're not allowing beer either. So, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, and, and believe me, beer, <laughs> beer would love it. <laughs> Keystone Light, the official beer of USC. Like, no, they would, they would love that, you know, just having Caleb Williams like, hey, after a game, when I need to relax, I grab a cold Keystone Light. Imagine the commercials we're missing out on yeah. of, like, the whole O-line. Like, you know, you saw Will Howard and his O-lineman do the shotgunning celebration. Mm-hmm. Think of the NIL deals we're missing out of, of that actually being a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Paxton says he loves Keystone Line. Okay, there you go. Maybe maybe they'll sponsor us now that I did this free little uh, blurb for them. I, too, enjoy drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not now anymore. <laughs> Jack just wrecked it. Uh, no, but this is, it's a huge thing. And I will go back. I see the chat. Everybody's mad that I, like, talked about another issue. I'm sorry that your delicate sensibilities have been have been fractured because I brought up an NCAA thing. But, I kind of thought that's what we were famous for here, but whatever. I mean, is it, isn't the point of it just that, like, regardless of where you fall on the issue, now college athletes are going to get to keep playing yeah and, and not, like colleges don't have to come down on the issue they just let i don't know actual legislation come down on it yeah and exactly. you can be whatever way you want about that but like again coaches will this is gonna make coaches relax because nothing the coaches have ever been able to do i remember like charlie strong when he he came here and he did a speech at the texas sports hall of fame when he he took the first took the job at texas and he said there will be no marijuana on the Texas football team. And it was all I could do. It was the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. And I've seen Dave Chappelle live twice. It was the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. And I was I wanted to be like, Charlie, are you guys going to move the University of Texas from Austin? <laughs> oh, man. Like, are you going to, like, is that going to, like, you're going to pick the whole damn thing up, the 40 acres. You're going to pick those 40 acres up. And you're going to move it to a place that is not drenched in weed smoke. Are you going to do that? Because if you are, I really would like to figure out how that's going to happen. But, yeah, so that's why I'm talking about it. Because it is a, it is a major issue in college athletics. And it's, it's a big deal if they, if they come down and, and change it. And you can read the article on The Athletic by Nicole Auerbach. But 
games uh, games this weekend are insane. And it is – last weekend we had a good college football weekend, even though we didn't have those premier matchups, right? Yeah, it was a weekend we didn't expect to be as good as it was, which no, is a great weekend. But it should kind of show you where parity is in college football, where you can have those kind of weekends and go, uh, you know what, this is not how it used to be. Because it's not how it used to be. You know, you get a couple of the right transfers and you can – you can either take somebody under the wire or those can flip a game yeah. that you haven't won in, in 10 years, you know? And you, the, things change so fast in college football right now, roster-wise, that week to week it's going to be great. Deion Sanders is proving it every single week that, look, I can take a team that is the least interesting Power 5 team in the country. Colorado went from being the least interesting Power 5 team in the country to being the most talked about too much, and I, I'm guilty of this too, but talked about team in maybe all of sports in less than a year. That There has never been a time in college sports where that could happen. You could not, like, no matter what the program was. Nick Saban didn't make Alabama good in a year. His first year at Alabama, there were a ton of growing pains. Now, he rapidly changed things, but the first year at Alabama was not great. But that's because they weren't great. And look, Dion might wind up wind up going six and six or seven and five when it's all said and done because the team may not be completely up to snuff. But guess what? It's going to be a damn interesting along the way. Um, you know, there are tons of teams that have turned around a lot quicker now. And so to look at a weekend and go, oh, that's going to be bad, I don't think we can do that anymore. I don't yeah. think we can do that. No, I mean, it's going to be a tough habit to get over. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right. Because Transfer Portal and NIL, that combination, I know that NIL can be top-heavy, but just the nature of all the movement it can it can give to players in the sport, you just I, I don't think I don't think you're able to fully understand how good or bad a roster is until like three four weeks into the season, and so those those bad slates that you get early in the season, it's how often are they actually going to be that bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like, like that's exactly what you're saying, but yeah, exactly. Like now, I think you you can't really you can't really judge. You have to look at everything a, as it stands. Look, yeah, there's still going to be bad gains, but there's going to be. I can promise you this: there's one of these games that we're all excited about this weekend that's going to wind up being kind of lame. Yeah. One team's going to beat the other one really badly into submission, and the third quarter and fourth quarter of that game will just be, you know, the announcers talking about, well, didn't expect this. Oregon you know. and Colorado. <laughs> you know. Um, Oregon and Colorado to me is going to be really interesting because, you know, Colorado has not, like, they are opportunistic on defense, but they're not shutting anybody down. So how are they going to make those opportunities against the best quarterback they've played so far? Yeah. And, and then they have to turn around and do that all again next week against a guy who's better. Paul, I got to ask. What's your like? What what's your slate for the day? What what's your noon kickoff? Your two thirty or six? Noon is FSU and Clemson, and anything else that happens during that time, I will only register like this. Oh yeah, good. Like that'll be one of those things that like somebody will ask me like later on. Did you see the so and so and so and so? And I'm like, no. Oh, that's cool. I'll go back and watch it later. But I had I had real problems. 
Uh, 2.30 is definitely Oregon and Colorado. Because you, you've got three great games to pick from there. Yeah. 2.30 is definitely Oregon and Colorado if I, if I had to make that, like, choice of that because I am so intrigued by, by what happens. Um, Cam Rising's back at Utah, and yeah. they're playing UCLA. But then you also have Ole Miss and Bama. Yeah. See, I look, I watched Bama play a good chunk of that USF game last week, and right now I don't consider them must-see TV anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Oregon and Colorado to, to kind of ride that – that wave while it while it's still worth riding and then my six o'clock game is make that choice that we were talking about earlier oh man i'm gonna go oregon state and washington state the pack two championship not not to mention there's another what could be solid game in there iowa looks like they have a better oh, yeah. offense iowa this and year Penn state, yeah and I, I believe that's the whiteout right yeah yeah. So you've got you've got some great options in those yeah. two later windows to pick from. Yes, I do know. You that could also watch Baylor get their ass kicked by Texas. <laughs> yeah, maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Our staff I'll is say that as a Baylor alum is very divided on that. If you read our column, the staff picks column today, um, over on Sikkim365.com. The best news for me is that Garrett went so much further to the rage side than I did. Yeah, <laughs> 63 to 9. Yeah, I was 52 to 10. I, I honestly don't know. You know I'll, I'll talk to Grayson and, and Sam about this in the show later. I just don't see it. Like, I don't tell, either. Tell me what I'm not seeing. I'm hoping for 38 to 17. Look, I, and, and look, there are in the Matt rule in that 2017 year, they, they took Baker Mayfield down to the wire. Like maybe this team has that in them, but I have not seen that yet. I have not, and maybe this is the game that that you see it. So, um, I'd been hoping against hope that that would be a better game. That this would be a uh, a two and one Baylor team uh, against a, you know a two and one or three and zero oh Texas team when it came in. That that would make the most sense. But now you're looking at a one and two Baylor team that even in their one win was listless against their FCS opponent. Like it's, it, I don't know. Like there's there's something missing from Baylor that is not just a talent thing. Talent, I think, is developing and an issue, but there's something there that's not that's not just talent. Yeah. It's 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 something more. And so So there are better choices to cap off your day. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So like three at least three better choices. But I can tell you, you know, Jack, uh, last Saturday, um, Garrett and I had all four of these TVs going uh on, on games. And when I get back from the stadium on Saturday at halftime to get ready for the post-game show. That is what we'll be here again. I'm pretty sure Garrett's just staying here. Yeah. So he'll, he have, it all, he'll have it all going. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be very chaotic uh, over there tomorrow. So, anyway, when we come back, Joey Kaufman, the Columbus Dispatch, discusses one of those big games. Col- I said I was almost going to Columbus versus South Bend. Ohio State and Notre Dame. This is 365 Sports. Some say a dog is a man. to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. During Jeep Adventure Day, say big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction with a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you. Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Welcome back, 365 Sports. The Smoke's off doing high school football today, so I am flying solo, as is my mission on Fridays now. Joey Kaufman, Columbus Dispatch, joins me now. He is en route to South Bend, Indiana for Ohio State and Notre Dame tomorrow. And, and Joey, this game was good for a stretch or close for a stretch last year. Ohio State had so much more talent, and that was probably the roughest game they played all year. Uh, what is changed in your estimation, uh, um, not just the quarterbacks between these two teams this year, that may make this thing go in a different fashion than it did a year ago? Well, I think Notre Dame is a lot different than a year ago. Obviously, the impact of Sam Hartman, the transfer quarterback from Wake Forest, and, and they've become a lot more explosive on offense. They, they lead the country in plays of 40 yards or more. They have 11 this year, which is already twice as many as they had a year ago, which is a whole new 
element that they have is they're able to to create those those big plays. And last year when they played Ohio State, what Notre Dame wanted to do was shorten the game and no clock and really grind out yards. This is a game where I think they can go maybe a little more toe-to-toe with them in, in the big plays and, and take advantage of, of maybe Ohio State's vulnerability, at least what was their vulnerability last year in giving up those explosive plays. Do you think that the defensive front at Ohio State, which has been has been their their Achilles heel, they have you know especially you know that's why they've lost to Michigan the last couple of years because that matchup is is just so off kilter as as where it had been in the past. Notre Dame with Audric Estime is going to try to run right at them. Yeah, this is going to be I think an interesting test for that front. They have a lot of returning guys up front: uh, JT Tuimolau and Jack Story, the defensive end, Mike Hall and, and Ty Hamilton, Ty Lee Williams. And the inside, all those guys have been around for a while, and they're they're upperclassmen now. And this is the year they're supposed to, to really take that that next step. Uh, they, but they haven't played a team that's really going to try to grind out yards. Indiana was running the option. Youngstown State was an FCS team, and then they played Western Kentucky, which was a an air raid team, and was going to throw the ball around a lot. So the the teeth of Ohio State's defense, the front, hasn't really been tested, and this is going to be a, a big one to see what they're made of. What's your early returns on Kyle McCord? I think he's showed a lot of promise. Uh, he was uh, in his first full start last week or where he didn't rotate in the first half. Uh, he threw three touchdowns but four incompletions. Uh, I think he's he has a pretty good arm. Throws a good good ball. I mean, he was a, he was a top 50 recruit coming out of high school, a five-star who had two years in, in Ryan Day's system. So I think the floor is pretty high for him and what he's going to be able to provide for Ohio State in terms of facilitating their offense, getting the ball to the playmakers. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Emeka Buka, he's decisive with the ball. The the question is whether he's going to have that that, that special trait that C.J. Stroud had as far as as maybe hitting on some some really deep throws. But, I mean, I think he's he's been promising for them early on. This is obviously going to be a a pretty big weekend for him, though, because he's making his fifth start of his college career going up against the quarterback and, and Hartman and Notre Dame was making 50th. So just uh, just a little bit of a gap in experience there. All right, so Lou Holtz today, and I don't know if you've seen this, you've been on the road, but he predicted that Notre Dame, I mean, this is very Homer pick by by Lou Holtz, obviously. You know. that, yeah. All that. But what he said about Ryan Day, I'm curious, what is the opinion of people in Columbus about however he's lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody beats him because they're more physical than Ohio State. Is that a fair assessment of Ryan Day, especially when it comes to Ohio State fans? I don't, I don't think it's unfair at all. I think there's a, a big segment of the fan base, and certainly an outspoken one at the very least, that uh, is disappointed in, in the way things have trended at Ohio State. Two losses in a row to Michigan. The loss, uh, even though they played well against Georgia last year in the playoff game, they ultimately didn't win the game. So in, in recent seasons, they haven't had that that big, flashy win that I think makes people feel good about themselves. On the other hand, I think there are a lot of people who who recognize he's, he's lost a total of, of six games and now he's in his fifth year. So he doesn't lose a whole lot. Uh, but I think people want that that extra level, um, and, and really a lot of it goes back to the Michigan rivalry. Uh, there's a generation of Ohio State fans that just become unaccustomed to watching them lose to Michigan. Urban Meyer was seven and zero in the rivalry. Jim Trestle only lost once to Michigan, and and that I think has has left people with sort of an unfamiliar feeling of what it's 
actually liked uh, to sort of have a, a little bit of a 10-year war, which uh, you have to go back to the Woody and Bo days. Yeah, I, I, I know that he's, you know, he's, he's under under fire to whatever extent that that really is for a guy who's been as wildly successful in his tenure as he has there outside of those Michigan losses, really, and is, I mean, there are, I mean, almost every other college in the country would hire him in a second if they let him go. Is there any kind of concern that if they did that, that they, they would be cutting off their nose to spite their face and let instead of letting him find his sea legs, especially going into a time when we're about to have a 12-team playoff? I, I think they're as loud as the, the certain segment of, of the Ohio State fan base can be and is uh, maybe frustrated with Ryan Day as they can be. I think the thing that's probably in his favor is his boss, Gene Smith, uh, likes him and uh, has, has extended his contract a year ago. He's got, he got a pay bump for this year. So I think institutionally, Ohio State is likes what he's done so far and I think a big reason why is their floor is so high they win 10 11 games every year and even if even if he does have a Michigan problem and remember he's still only one and two in the rivalry and he'd be two and two if they had played the game in, in 2020 they're they're really only one or two games away here most years from winning the top prize in college football and I think that ultimately is is, is in his favor and I think you can play the what if game if you want but, but still, they, they were so close in the last couple of years to actually winning the whole thing. If Marvin Harrison doesn't get knocked out in the fourth quarter against Georgia, maybe they, they win that game. Maybe if one or two plays uh, go their way, they win the game. So I think that's always the risk if you uh, move on from somebody like that. Or, or the, I think part of the value that he brings you is he, he puts you in the conversation every year. And, and you're right about the 12-team playoff. When that comes in, even if you still lose to Michigan – you're going, to get a, you're going to get another bite at the apple, either in a, in a Big Ten championship game, which could provide a rematch, or in, the, or in the expanded playoff field. Brian Hartline is, eh, I mean, maybe number one assistant sought after in the country now, the way he's recruited, the way that he's put that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out in that, but he has talked about, especially in the Big Ten circles, very, very warmly, and, and he is doing some amazing things there, uh, especially at the wide receivers he's getting to come and play for them. How how long do they figure they can hold on to him, especially now that a job like Michigan State is open and has a you know 10-week lead on anybody else who may even try to hire him? I think they've they've done everything that they can to to this point to to try to retain him and keep him happy. They they gave him a, a big pay raise this off season with his promotion to offensive coordinator, where he's making one point six million dollars a year. He's uh, they're bringing him along and grooming him as the the next play caller uh, if uh, down the road they uh, decides to delegate more of, of those responsibilities. And this is his alma mater too, and I think he's going to be selective when he when he does want to leave because this is really the only coaching job he's ever had. He came to Ohio State in 2017 as a quality control coach for Remeyer. Uh, pretty soon after his playing career in the NFL ended, so I, I don't I don't see him really leaving unless the circumstances are, are really right. And, and I think he's he's compensated so well, and I think likes where he's at that. I don't think you you go uh, to a spot you're not going to be comfortable in. What do you think, Michigan? You cover the Big Ten. What does Michigan State do about that job? Ooh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a tougher job uh, moving forward. Uh, just in, in the with the way the Big Ten is going to be restructured with USC, UCLA, Washington 
Oregon coming in. I think before you could say maybe Michigan State's the, the fourth, fifth best job in the, in the conference, and, and now that's going to change. They probably need to get back to what made them successful in the past with Mark Antonio, and they tried to do it when they hired Luke Fickle was getting those overlooked kids from Ohio who maybe didn't get the Ohio State offer but are still plenty good at just having them come up one state over, and, and that might be the way forward for them rather than, than Mel Tucker, who was who was all about the transfer portal, and, and, and that didn't, um, even before his uh, recent downfall, was not going uh, the way you wanted. So maybe you look at somebody like Mark Stoops, if you could convince him from Kentucky, but that type of coach with that type of profile where you're recruiting the, the overlooked Ohio kid uh, to Michigan State, I think would be probably the formula that you want. If Ohio State loses this game tomorrow, does that derail any of their goals in your in your mind? I don't think so. I think it, it reduces your margin for error because if they lose uh, tomorrow night, they basically need to, to run the table and, and beat Michigan and, and beat Penn State. And those, those are two other top five, top ten teams they have on your schedule plus the Big Ten Championship game. So they, could, they dealt with the loss last year in the regular season and, and still made the playoff, and it's not going to, to wipe away their goals. Uh, but it's certainly going to make, I think, it harder because then you you know you are afforded no uh, – you get no more mulligans, really. No, no two-loss teams ever made the playoffs. So uh, it's, a, I guess, for all intents and purposes, a double elimination regular season. Okay, Joey, true or false, USC joined the Big Ten because they missed you covering them. Uh, I don't think I can, can compete with the, the payday that they're going to get by joining. <laughs> I mean, that's all that's all gravy. Uh, and and again, uh, I, like based on this last week, it appears they don't like anybody covering them. So, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. Um, anyway, Joey, thanks for hopping on. Uh, uh, Columbus Dispatch, Joey Coffin, one of the best in the biz. He's covered USC, covers Ohio State now. Have fun at the game. Travel safe, buddy. Hey, always good to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always, always love having Joey on. Yeah, used to cover USC and then moved to Columbus, Ohio. I'm, I'm wondering, like, at their pinnacle, like, what is a more hectic beat? Than USC? No, one of those two others. Like, which, like, which is the one that takes up your time, like, you know, a little bit more would it be Ohio State because that is what's cared about more in Columbus or would it be USC seeing as they're super popular now but in LA they're like sixth fiddle I feel like it's at least from the writer's perspective it's got to be USC mm-hmm. just because you're you're still struggling for for views and clicks that and I feel like simply the traffic to get where you need to go to cover them <laughs> is that much more annoying that much more hectic Look, Columbus is that, a, maybe that's just is a massive city, but it's not Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I could not imagine. So if they're both at their, their peaks, if they're both competing for national championships, I think it's more hectic to cover USC. Yeah. The, the most stressed out I've ever been driving was Santa Monica to Burbank uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And it was 1.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Jeez. It wasn't like any kind of, you know, maybe two o'clock, but, you know, I drove, I had a great drive, like the drive there to Santa Monica from Oxnard, I went down highway one, which is a beautiful, lovely drive mountains on one side, the Pacific on the other, you know, didn't, mm-hmm. you know, only hit traffic when you get to the little areas where there's, you know, 
shops and stuff, and then you you kind of go on through and get to Santa Monica Pier, weirdest place I've ever been, uh, by a long shot. Um, and number number, and then and then you have to leave, and you put in. I felt like when I put it in the in my phone, like Santa Monica to Burbank, the Siri went, "Why? What are you doing? You're crazy. Stay here." <laughs> yeah, maybe you should you listen. Might, you might as well just drive back to Texas. <laughs> you're, that's what you're going to feel like when you're when you look at oh, how long's the trip? Oh, it's 31 miles. Okay, great. That should take about 30 to 40 minutes. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. Anyway, when we come back, Grayson Grudhay for Sigum365.com. Baylor may be getting a big commitment on Monday. We'll talk about that. Plus, how does Baylor drum up some emotion for this Texas game? This is 365 Sports. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Humidor in the Talwa Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, 
marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Grayson Grunhaver of Sikkim365.com. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Welcome in, Grayson Grunhaver. Sikkim365.com recruiting analyst. Grayson, we do have a potential commitment to talk about, but let's talk about this game tomorrow. You and I clearly have different views on it. Now, I know that we both picked Texas to win. I picked them to win a lot bigger than you did. Do you think that the sellout student crowd, which I'm going to say that because I do think that if people are thinking it's going to be a big green and gold wave in there, given that Texas is good again, the T-shirt fans are back at UT, and there's going to be a lot of them there. But the sell-out student crowd buoys the Bears' emotions enough to get them to show some fire for the first time this year. Well, you know, I, I think, Paul, this is where I think there's a lot of differing opinions because I, I do think that Baylor showed a lot of fire in the Utah game. Like, I, I really do. I, I think it was a tough situation. You know, you're going in with a backup quarterback who's starting for the first time, and that defense played really well. I felt like Sora Robertson played really well until he got the ankle injury, and then just everything went off the rails late in the fourth quarter there. But in general, I, I think Baylor got up for that game. So I do think there's a blueprint for Baylor to get up for this Texas game. I think there's kind of prior history that would point you into saying, okay, I think if there's one game on this schedule, that I think we can pretty much bank on Baylor actually playing really, really hard and having a lot of energy having a fan base that has a lot of energy, I do think it's this Texas game. And so I think that's a big part of the reason why I do think that Baylor is going to be competitive in this game. I also think, you know, for as good as I believe Texas is, I do think there are some things that give me a little bit of pause, such as the inconsistent play of Quinn Ewers. And I know everyone's just going to look at the Alabama game and they're going to immediately say, wow, like this guy is, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. This guy is unreal. Like, look at the throws he's making. And that's great. But if you go look at the Rice game and the Wyoming game, there are inconsistencies there. And because of those inconsistencies, it caused Texas to have moments where they weren't playing up to par. And, I mean, in the Wyoming game, it took them three quarters before they started really doing anything offensively. So uh, I do think there are reasons to think Baylor can make this game competitive. I think a big part of it is going to be creating pressure on Quinn Ewers and just making him inaccurate, which for the most part during his career, he's been right around a 60% completion percentage guy, which is really not that great. No, and look, the the Alabama game was the first time that he's thrown them to a win in his career. Um, and if he can do that more often, they didn't – they wind up not needing him to last week against Wyoming – but there was a point where you thought, like, maybe he's going to have to. Now, granted, the big play did come on a, a pass, a pass, a short pass, but it was Xavier Worthy making that happen. Um, 
Where are the matchups, though, in that front, like getting that pressure, do you think that Baylor can win on? Yeah, you know, if you're going to point to anyone, it's going to be T.J. Franklin. And for, you know, as much as we've talked about kind of the defensive line having struggled, which they absolutely have, they have not been good enough against the run. And so I, I do think if they get Jarrell Boykins back this week, which uh, he's the Juco nose tackle who they brought in to replace Apu Aitika, and he was supposed to have a huge role this year, uh, but he got hurt in the green and gold game and hasn't played this season. I think there's a chance that he comes back and actually plays quite a few snaps. I know he's been practicing in recent weeks, so I could see him getting out there and honestly making a huge difference. I mean, Baylor's been playing with guys who are right around 300 pounds and 275 pounds in Cooper Lance and Trevin Maya at nose tackle. Now you bring in Jarrell Boykin to 330 pounds. There's just a huge difference there as far as his sheer size, but also adding depth you can rotate guys in and out but specifically matchups wise you know besides him I, I think he makes everyone's jobs easier but dj franklin as a pass rusher he was amazing this spring and fall camp it's carried over some this season i think we've seen flashes of it um he's missed a couple tackles that would have been sacked but i think in this game you know he's gonna have to make those plays when he gets an opportunity to bring quinn yours down he's got to take advantage of it and then the other two guys that i'm really looking at in this one are Byron Vaughns and Garmin Randolph. Uh, we've seen flashes from Vaughns this season, uh, the transfer from Utah State. We've seen the explosiveness. He's gotten to the quarterback some. I think he could bring something to the table this week. And then Garmin Randolph, who got the high ankle sprain against Texas State, he's getting himself back to full health. And I think this week he should be much closer to that. And so we'll get to see kind of that that duo at the jack position potentially being on the field together and creating some havoc in the backfield. How do they – who has to show out for them to win an offense? And do they try and copy Wyoming's game plan a little bit last week? So, to me, that this is all about can Baylor run the ball at all. And by that, I mean, if they run the ball as well as they did against Utah for the most part, I think they definitely have a chance to win this game. I, I mean, it became inconsistent in the fourth quarter because you lost the ability to run Sawyer Robertson – Dominic Richardson got banged up as well. And because of that, they just they could not run it late in that game. They have to be able to run it some. And if they're able to do that, I think the two guys to really watch out for are Drake Dabney and Keetron Jackson. I think those two guys are the two guys that have to win one-on-one matchups and have to make life easier for Sora Robertson, who at this point during his career at Baylor has just been inconsistent with his passes. Um, he's got to be able to be on target, make the throws when they're there, uh, and just don't try to do too much. You know, it, late in that Utah game, just tried to do a little bit too much. And maybe in this one, if he can shore things up, if guys can give him easier throws, I do think there will be opportunities for those two guys specifically to win some one-on-one battles. And, and they're going to have to because I do think this is going to come out and try to play some man coverage. Uh, try to heat up the quarterback a little bit, and that's going to mean you're going to have one-on-one opportunities on the outside. All right, on Monday, a commit coming. Who is it? Is it going to be Baylor, and who is their competition for it? Right, so it's four-star safety Josh Lair out of Fort Bend Marshall. Uh, This is the guy who's been a Baylor priority target for a long time, ever since they offered back in February. And he's one who took his official visit to Baylor at the beginning of June. That was Baylor's first official visit weekend. They got him on campus and have just been consistent with him throughout the process. Um, going into this weekend, 
Uh, he's deciding between Baylor, Texas, and Washington. Um, he's taking his official visit to Washington this weekend. So I know on the Huskies side of things, they're probably feeling really good about getting that last official visit with his decision coming on Monday. Um, I think on the other side of things, Baylor's built a great relationship, and I do think Baylor is currently the leader going into this official visit weekend. But again, there's optimism, I think, on both sides. I think Josh likes both schools quite a bit. Um, and then Texas as well is kind of a wild card. But I do think as we're getting closer and closer to this date, I do think it's going to be between Washington and Baylor. And again, Baylor the lead going into the weekend, but they're going to have to hold on to it as he's taking an official visit to Seattle this weekend. Grayson, win or lose this week, and then they've got to go to Orlando next week. Jack and I will be there, by the way. Uh, so come out and see us if you're in Orlando uh, on Friday. Uh, we'll be at Bounce House Social. Uh, but win or lose next week as they head into Orlando, how do you feel about them? Just say they're they're one in three heading through the rest of the Big 12 schedule. Seeing how everything else has fallen, do you feel, depending on how this game goes, optimistic, pessimistic, or about the same? I think you've got to be about the same. And, and the only reason I say that is because Texas is the best team that they're going to play all year. And so, I mean, if you're just going to judge it based on, oh, they lost this game, now they're one in three, now there's no way they're going to be good the rest of the year. I just, I think that that's a little bit foolish when you look around the rest of the conference and see how kind of inconsistent up and down a lot of teams have been in the early going. I do think there's opportunities for Baylor to play a lot better. I think getting Blake Shapin back would obviously be very helpful. Um, I think there's a chance that they're playing a UCF team next weekend, most likely without John Rice Plumley. So once again, if you get Shapin back, I think they could go in there and potentially win that game. But the rest of the schedule is tough. I mean, it's going to be a battle to make a bowl game if they do lose this game because, I mean, one in three with a, a gauntlet of a schedule feels like coming up with a bunch of teams that are right around the same level as you. You're going to have to flip some of those games. So I would say regardless of the results, this weekend as long if they were to lose I would say I'm right around the same now if they win this game that's a completely different conversation if they're able to come out here and win this game with a backup quarterback um that completely flips everything in my eyes because you look at the rest of their schedule and you go hey they beat Texas with Sawyer Robertson at quarterback they get Blake Shapin back you got to be feeling like hey they can win any game on this schedule going forward so I think optimistic if they win and then about the same if they lose as long as it's not a complete blowout. Grayson Grudhead for Sikkim365.com. Grayson, enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Grayson Grudhead for Sikkim365.com. He picked Texas in a close game, right, Jack? I believe, yes. 30 to 24? Something like that. Yes, he's not as washed in hopeless negativism as I am. <laughs> but I mean, he's also a Baylor grad. Yeah, no, I like. Look, I, I like. I'm happy to be wrong about anything, you know. I would be happy to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, and like I, you know, there are. I'm not. I'm not Skip or Stephen A. You know, as a as a sports pundit, where I have to be right about everything. I have opinions. Games happen and they change. That's the thing that I think is different about the like. There are two kinds of people in the, the kind of media business now though like those like me which seemingly are few and find craig and, and smoky like you know care like wrong so of wrong like wrong about a lot of things you know i think there are more of us like that there, there's I, probably I like more think i'm like that there's more of us but we're not like out there yelling at people about yeah, why exactly. we're right or wrong so 
you know, uh, I'm happy to be wrong about a prediction. I don't care if somebody has to rub it in my face. I'm, I'm you know, that's sports, man. Like that's half the fun of sports is upsets it's and, be, and, it's and being, being wrong. wrong. Yeah, I mean, half the like, I love it when I'm like, oh, wrong about those guys. Good for them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I part of why I'm so excited for the expanded playoff is because I'm hoping that there are going to be teams that just prove people wrong every year. Well, yeah, and look, you you're adding you're adding opportunities for big teams to lose. Which is why there are elitists that are scared of it. Yep. Because you're it like that's not like that's just math. If there's more t- opportunities for them to lose, they will lose more often. It still might not be all that much, but it will be more often. Which is look, the NFL plays 17 games and nobody freaks out if somebody's one and two because you're like, well, you have 14 games left. I'll figure it out. You know, that's what the 12 team playoff is going to help with college football, where you lose one game and you're not like, well, my dreams are shot. I lost a game by a point against a really good team. And now I won't be any better than fifth. Why do I even do this? You know, but no, when we come back, old friend Cedric Golden, Austin, American Satan gives us the Texas perspective on this. And why could this Texas team be different than all the others who have gotten people excited. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome back. An old friend of ours here at the show and a, a guy I love running into every tension I get to, Cedric Golden, Austin American Statesman. And Cedric, this is, you have covered the Longhorns for a long time and there have been many kind of in the last, you know, 14 years, little upstarts of like, oh, this is, this is good. This is great. Um, all the, the, you know, I don't want to say the, the, the buzz phrase, but all those have happened. What makes this particular group of Longhorns different in that they can soldier through the hype a little bit better? Is the catchphrase, we're back. <laughs> yeah. How many times have we heard that, Paul? Yeah. I mean, too, many, too many to count. Um, Joe Tessitore famously said it when they beat Notre Dame and Charlie Strong's second or third year. They weren't back. Uh, Sam Ellinger said it after they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And that was the last time Georgia had lost a bowl game. So that was kind of the end of Georgia losing. But uh, I think that three years into the Sarkeesian era that uh, he's got, he's put his stamp on the program recruiting wise. Good, good classes, top five, ten classes. Um, he's getting the buy-in that he needed last season. They took a real large step forward, particularly in the locker room with the senior leadership. And I think that that has kind of carried over to this season. Uh, they've experienced a little bit of success last season. Probably should have won more than eight games. Blew a couple of second half leads. And now they're starting to to, to feel the the uh, taste that fine nectar of being a top five, number three in the country type team. And I think, Paul, once you start to, to, to realize that maybe you are as good as you think you can be and going to Alabama and winning by double digits showed the nation that Texas is capable of, of playing with the big dogs, I think that's intoxicating for a team and addictive, and they want to feed off of that, so – It'll be interesting to see how they can they can uh, live with the uh, with the mantle of being the hunted instead of the hunter. Steve Sarkeesian um, is, at least in my observation, and I don't see him every day, but handling what is one of the more challenging head coaching jobs in the country, a lot better than his his two previous predecessors. In that, um, I think Charlie Strong didn't make a fair assessment of who Texas was when he got there. And then Tom Herman hears literally everything everyone says about him, whether it matters or not, and treats it equally. And I think that stressed him out as where Steve Sarkeesian seems that he's got more a water off a duck's back quality to him. Am I wrong about that? 
No, no, you're 150% correct. It seems to roll off of him. Now, we have our moments when he gets after us in, in press conferences, and I've, I've told him, uh, you know, during a press conference, I like fights to be so I like it when he gets fights with us. Mm-hmm. That's good copy. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll take that. That's good sound bites. We'll take that. Um, uh, Charlie didn't understand the magnitude of, of dealing with, with the uh, the big money money donors and the hangers on that proliferate this program. And I don't think he ever had a great relationship with the Texas high school football coaches, which is a, a was a huge mistake on his part. Uh, Tom Herman was better in recruiting the state, having worked in Houston. So he knew these streets. He knew these big 12 streets. And so the most fertile recruiting area in the state of Texas is Houston area. So Tom was right smack dab in the middle of that. So he used those inroads to, to have four winning seasons, but some off the field stuff uh, led to his ouster. I think Steve understands the importance of Texas recruiting. He understands that he's got a balance being the football coach with dealing with those people who just can't help but try to have their fingers on the program. And, and he keeps uh, media at, at um, a arm's distance. He doesn't get too close to us. Uh, we, I don't think, I don't know that any of us have a real relationship with him. And it's a bit, it's definitely a business arrangement and it's starting it's seeming to work in his favor. Uh, only he's, co- this is the 10th team he's coached Paul and, and only one other team has started three and oh, and that was the 2013 Washington team that he eventually left for the USC job. Well, I uh, saw him at the end of that year. Uh, Cedric, you remember they played Baylor in the Alamo Bowl in the no-defense classic, as I like to call it. It was uh, an absolute shootout. And uh, Softy Mahler, who works for the flagship station in Seattle that they're on, asked him about firing his defensive coordinator after that game. And I'll never forget as long as they live. He's like, real classy, Softy, real classy. Then didn't answer the question. He was mad about it. But that game was ridiculous, and it, it needed to be asked. But, yeah, I've seen some of that fire from him. Now, granted, it's a decade ago, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, did he, ask, did he fire him right after the game and Softy asked him, or, or did he ask him about the potential to the fire p- him? The potential to fire him. You know, like, do you have to well, make a change? To ask. Yeah. You yeah. have to ask. You just – that's a question you have to ask. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, you know, I guess those problems take care of themselves. But uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask a coach that just gave up. Uh, what was it, fifty-seven? What yeah. did they give up in that game? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah, you'd be remiss if you didn't ask. I mean, you, you scored enough to win the game, but you just couldn't. You couldn't stop them. Uh, what about your DC moving forward? And after bowl games, Paul, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We spring ahead <laughs> to what's happening next. Will this guy be back? That's a legitimate question. Yeah. But so I, I he can get, I mean, I guess every coach can get rabbit ears. You know, maybe not Lincoln Riley rabbit ears or Tom Herman rabbit ears, but they can. But I, like, I do, like, I, we got to talk to him last year at Big 12 Media Days, and there was just a different, and granted, he's been through a lot in the last decade of his life that maybe allows him to compartmentalize things maybe a little bit better than certain coaches can. Yeah, forty nine years of age. He's lived. He's lived longer <laughs> years than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had, he's had some issues off the field. He's overcome those issues. He's gotten a a second chance at a blue blood college football institution, and a lot of people don't get a second chance. A lot of people probably don't get a first chance mm-hmm. because I mean he's coached at USC and Texas. I mean those are those are traditional football 
um, football factories. And so he's taken, he's take, made the most of this. He's overcome some early struggles, uh, losing to Kansas at home, never good. Gave up 57 in that one, I might add. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, he's, he's kind, he's kind of come, come from the, to the other side of that. And he's got a great opportunity here. Uh, the schedule is not, uh, foreboding. Uh, the teams that, you know, Kansas State is a big threat. You get Kansas State at home, you get OU on a neutral field. But what they have to avoid, uh, starting this weekend, is they have to avoid losing those games that they have no business losing. And that's been the story of Texas football for the last several years. Can they live up to that ranking and, and somehow make it to the Big 12 title game, win the Big 12 title, and play in the CFP? That's the big question. Can they win the games they're supposed to win? What is different to you about Quinn Ewers last year to this year? What is what has he learned and changed? Uh, he changed his body. Mm-hmm. He's much leaner. He was playing at 218 last year. He's playing at 195 now, which I think is really skinny. And you wonder about durability. Uh, he, he divorced Chick-fil-A, and uh, he's eating better, more nutrition. Uh, I think he's kind of figured out that that on the rate that he was on last season, that he was not going to be an NFL quarterback. And and that's still, you know, that's still to be determined. Uh, if he's going, I mean, he's been projected like a number eight overall pick next spring. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, he's uh, taking on more of a leadership role. He's a laid-back guy, Paul, who doesn't really, uh, one, not one of those guys who, who is a natural leader of men, but he's but he understands that he needs to be because of the position he plays. After they won in Alabama, he called a Tuesday players only meeting. He called that meeting and he urged his teammates to not get complacent. The job isn't done. That's a big win. Let's put it in the review. That's leadership. That's what he's been doing. So um, still a slow, notoriously slow starter. He's bookended really slow starts. Uh, against Rice and against Wyoming in between the electric performance against Alabama. So uh, they're, they're going to run into a team that might be able to hit them in the mouth. And if that coincides with a slow Quinn Ewers start, they could be in some trouble. So they're going to have to figure out how to start better. Last year, they started well and couldn't finish. They blew several double-digit leads. This year, they're finishing strong. In the last two fourth quarters, Paul, 42 points scored, including 21 in the fourth quarter of Brian Denny and Tuscaloosa. That just doesn't happen. No, and they, they seem not just Quinn Ewers, but to me, mature around the field. I know Xavier Worthy, you know, has, you know, has had problems with drops. He's been, he had the electric play last week that, that woke them up right at the, the start of that for, fourth quarter. It's all of a sudden they're like, okay, here, here we go. Uh, and then, but he also had a little bit of, petulance would be the wrong word, but maybe immaturity or, or need to grow up a little bit more. It seems like they do have more of those guys on the team who who realize that a game like Alabama is great, but it doesn't mean you've done anything yet because it just meant you're 2-0. and Yeah, and they seem to be handling success a lot better. And I think Xavier Worthy is a good example of it. Uh, of all, all, just, a, just a tremendous athlete. You saw him again, blow up against OU last year. Uh, having some similar success this year. Um, had those drops in the Alamo Bowl, and then we find out months later, Sarkeesian goes, you know, he's playing with a broken hand while you, you tell us. I was trying to protect the player. 
Uh, yeah, so so much for transparency on that end. But <laughs> I get it. But so he's grown up. The Xavier Worthy we're speaking with nowadays has has a comfort about him. He knows he's a good player. He knows he has a future in the pros if things continue to progress this way. Uh, they just have guys who have been through the wars. Their juniors and seniors lost to Kansas. It was a one and eight Kansas. It wasn't this Jalen Daniels bunch that's 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 able to bite somebody on any given Saturday. So they've un, they've been they've been in those embarrassing situations. They come through it. But now they're the ones landing the punches instead of taking them. Uh, Sarkeesian is fearless. Uh, before the Alabama game, he goes, "We're going in there throwing haymakers. We're not throwing jabs." And that and he said it on the ESPN game day in front of millions of people. And that's been a message to his team. We're not afraid of anybody. And that's kind of trickled down through the locker room. And they kind of understand that there's a chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen, Paul. There's a chance that they can have a very special season. But they have to have that buy-in, that leadership's got to be on point, and most importantly, they have to deliver on Saturday. Well, And that, that does. And one of those games you talked about, Tomorrow, they really shouldn't have any business losing to a Baylor team that's that's not found itself yet. And so you don't want to be the team that lets them find themselves, right? Yeah, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be on that end. And I know Randy's had all week that people keep coming up to him. If there's one game we want you to win, it's that one. They'd love nothing better than to kick Texas in the bud and send them into the SEC uh, wondering what could have been in 2023. There's no way to even if Baylor beats Texas and the Longhorns run the table, there's no way they'll be able to explain away why they lost to Baylor to the CFP committee. You're not getting a top four, even if you run the table, if you lose to Baylor. Now, if you lose to Oklahoma and then run the table after that and win the Big 12, okay, because Oklahoma's going to be ranked at the end of the year. So they know going in that this is not just one win that they need to put, uh, you know, on, on, the, on their belt. It's got to be a win that's going to keep their dreams alive that are that are way bigger right now than Big 12. Now, they won't tell you that. They'll go, oh, yeah, we want to be 1-0 after this week. You know, that's coach speak. You know, that's coach speak. We're in the media. We can look big picture. We can talk about this kind of stuff, Paul. They need to win this game, and they need to beat OU, and they need to beat Kansas. And if they're, and if they're sitting at 6-0 and going up against K-State and Houston, uh, then they have their legitimately a uh, legitimate threat to to um, represent the Big Twelve in in the CFP, but not until then. So it all starts tomorrow. If they win tomorrow, all of all of their goals are still ahead of them. Baylor's going to come out and try to try to give them. Uh, you know, they're going to come swinging for the fences in the first quarter. I think Aranda's going to be more aggressive in his play calling. And and I think I think Pollard's going to send the house at Quinn Ewers and see what he can do. They're going to have to, Cedric. They've got to find some fire, which they have not found in the early part of the season. And maybe maybe seeing the burnt orange roll into the stadium is going to do that because so far, man, it's been it's been tough sledding for the Bears. Well, I don't even know Long Island had a football team. I had <laughs> no idea. When you hear Long Island, I think Julius Irving, Jim Brown, Sue Bird. Those are the people I think about. I don't think about them having actually having a college football team, and you know, and, and I know that uh, Sawyer finished up great against them, but ten of twenty-two for a buck thirty-three. Not going to cut it against the Longhorns. He's going to have to have a career game. Uh, Reese going to have to get loose, and they have some athletes on the outside. But this 
this will easily be the best team that Baylor will face this year. Yes, absolutely. Cedric, always great to talk to you. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Look forward to seeing you, brother. All right. Talk to you soon, Cedric. This is uh, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Cedric Golden, Austin American Statesman. My gosh, what a, uh, I learned, I've learned a lot from him. He's been a veteran sports writer for a long time. Great dude. Um, would see, sometimes I'd see him twice a week if he was covering a game. Like he, you know, if Texas was off and he'd come and cover a Baylor game and then I'd see him, you know, we'd cover the Cowboys at the same time. So great guy. Love, uh, love talking to Cedric. And you heard it. Like he's, Jack, very practical about the Longhorns. Yeah. Very practical about them. But look, this is legit. Like they are, this is, this is prove it weekend, right? Where you're staring at the precipice of what you could be if you don't mess up, you know, Texas, like, and especially within the top five, there's two teams, Florida State and Texas, that really have to show that they are, in fact, for real. And not that that Baylor, normally a one and two team against a three and O team that's done what Texas has done, does not create this much confusion. But what Texas has done is lose these exact games over this stretch, where they'll they'll haul off and beat Oklahoma by 17, or they'll they'll go and beat the the next best team in the Big 12 but they'll lose to Baylor and Kansas, and then you're like, well, what's going on? Or, and then, then the, the season kind of gets away from them. Yeah. But, yeah, they it, win the big ones and not the medium ones. It's about not playing down to the level of your opponents, mm-hmm. about being ready no matter who, who you have to see that week and taking care of your business. Yeah. And they don't have to get out of here with more than a one-point win. No. They just got to get out of here with a win. Yeah. But I think they'd be very unhappy with themselves if they didn't have a significant margin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we well, hold on, we'll keep it here for just a second because we got a few minutes before our yeah, we got some time our, before Josh. Before Josh, um, uh, Jack. Um, speaking of Oklahoma and Texas, Steve Berkowitz, USA Today, uh, wrote this. Um, here is some realignment money news on 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 that. So. Based on recent questions from the USA Today Network and freedom of information requests and all of those things, the Texas and Oklahoma will suffer a much lesser financial impact from the move than the $160 million that was originally expected. Let's see. Let's go here. The Big 12 had paid Colorado $2.5 million signing bonus in late July as it became a new... That's that's not really that much in the, the grand scheme of things, but mm-hmm. the shares for OU and UT and the eight continuing schools are being reduced by roughly $7 million per school to what they received in 2022 and 2023 to, to fund payments of $18 million apiece this year to BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas will get be getting no money from the SEC's primary revenue sharing pool in 2024 and 2025. However, they stand to collect millions through football and men's basketball specific distributions that already existed under the SEC's bylaws, and they could receive additional money through specially negotiated terms. And they will get what their agreements describe as transition payments being funded by ESPN. So. Um, so it's a little bit less. I, I mean, it, it's more like a hundred million as opposed to one hundred and sixty million. At the risk of sounding stupid, can you explain that to me? Like I'm five. Okay, so originally their exit payments were one hundred and sixty million dollars. Yes. So now through all these other things, and it might wind up everybody might wind up getting kind of the the money, but at least the money that they are personally outlaying is going to be less because of agreements they have with ESPN and others. So really, it's only going to cost them about $100 million per school. 
Okay. So they got they got out for cheaper, at least individually between those those two schools. So um you know, and, and Chris Del Conte said, everyone's happy. As far as I know, all parties are happy with the outcome. And I think that's true. I think like this is not something that's gonna be grumbled about like, oh well, we wanted this much and we got this much. Everybody's happy with where they are. The Big Twelve is at sixteen teams starting next year. Everybody's thrilled about it. Texas and OU are gone. Uh, the Big 12 schools that remain uh, can now not worry about those two schools just shooting down their ideas left and right. Yep. So everybody's happy. I don't think any, I think you're going to hear much from this. They might be a little bit bummed that they didn't get that overall number, but anything to make this smoother and get the new teams in, I'll just say this. The accounting departments are going to be going, okay, with this revenue, this revenue, it's going to be fluctuating for the first few years of this transition for everybody who's coming in and coming out reduce share like the teams in the big 10 reduce shares even though they may be making more money are going to be budgeting differently year in and year out because of the way that that goes and then yeah so it's going to be chaotic but yeah it was this was interesting that they negotiated it down so yeah it's um, good to know yeah it is good to know so sorry i'm still i'm still trying to fully wrap my head around uh what exactly that means for for fans of say the remaining schools. Yeah. The ones that, you know, went through the whole thing from the very start, those eight. Yeah. So cuz you said the bit about less money to help pay out the four new schools this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. ESPN is is cushioning their blow. So and again because they really wanted this to happen, <laughs> you know, but they they should when Texas called up, when all this came about and they called ESPN, ESPN at no point said, no, 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 no. Guys, guys, let's not reinvent the wheel here. At no point did they ever say, whoa, 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 whoa. We understand that you guys are legacy, important, big blue blood schools and have big names and brands and all that stuff, but uh, let's, not, uh, let's not get crazy here. Instead, it was, yes, absolutely, we'll totally do that. How do we make it happen? And then they got to work on on the contract. So this is a really long article. I bet. This really long, and there's a lot in it. But Steve Berkowitz, USA Today, uh, I'll actually just post a link in the chat for those who are interested in it. Uh, so, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to the poorhouse. Nobody's going to be, you know, it's all fine for everybody. But there you go. Um, that it, Texas and, and OU would be paying a little bit less out of their own pockets, especially because ESPN and Disney are making it better for them. So, yeah, wish Disney would make something better for me. You know, yeah. The day that happens is the day hell freezes over. Here's the deal: I would make this deal. You give me one day in a room with the people making stuff at Disney, and just let me throw out all my ideas. And just give me a percentage of whatever you take. Because I have, I have 100. Like, just roll them through, like, the ESPN people, the Star Wars people, the Marvel people. What else does Disney own now? Um, Home Alone. They own Home Alone now. Like, I'll just say stop making Home Alone movies. Macaulay Culkin's 40 years old. <laughs> That's the only one we like. Those are the things I would do. Just give me in a room for one day. Just an eight-hour day, send people in, and I'll just tell them. They can do them or not do them, 
But if they do, you know, I think I have some ideas. Some might be terrible, but some might be solid gold. I, I promise you I could fix that Star Wars hotel problem. I promise you I could. First, first thing, don't charge people $5,000 a night or whatever it is. That's insane. First like, thing, know how much they charge. <laughs> What's, it's ridiculous, though. It's like for a family of four for two nights, it's like $6,000. Jeez. Nuts. What's why it's like even super rich people are like, look, man, I'm not doing that. Why would you even want to do it again? Like even you said, okay, we're going to do this once. Why would you go back and do it again? Because that's how you kind of make your money in the vacation biz because people keep coming and recommending it uh, to you. Anyway, uh, when we come back, Josh Neighbors dives into the weekend that is ahead with me. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. 
From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina, Josh Neighbors, the neighborhood watch on Crystal Ball College Football, joins us now. And Josh, it's Prove It Week for a lot of teams in the country. Uh, this is, you know, where you could potentially have your dreams dashed uh, into the season. Uh, and I'll just start with Florida State and Clemson. Florida State loses this game, then the LSU game doesn't mean much unless they go haul off and win all the rest. And for Clemson, if Clemson wins this game, then they're maybe not dead like everybody thought after the Duke game. Uh, Paul, nice to talk to you once again. Uh, I have to ask you first, like scale of one to 10, how nervous are you? Uh, 10 is not a, uh, high enough number. So, okay. yeah, that's, I, how, that's how I feel too. That's, yeah. that's, that's how I feel too for Florida state because, and honestly, I, I know it sounds crazy. Like I saw that line when it opened and I was like, I 10% of me was like, there's a chance Clemson might be favored by the end of the week. Now it went the other way, which I think was ultimately where we were going to head. But, um, yeah, I mean, Clemson has dominated the series, right, uh, in, in, in recent memory. And so Florida State, you know, the bandana game last week, Boston College, like that, that was just such a really strange, a really strange game overall. So I guess you could throw it out, maybe, maybe. The big question, this is what everybody else is having too, is does Clemson have enough meaningful playmakers, right? Their wide receiver room is a casualty of Dabo Sweeney not being willing enough to go and hit the hit the portal. The uh, conversely, the um, those kind of things. The Florida State wide receiver room is a product of a willingness to adapt to modern college football. And so I am going to side with the side that has adapted to modern college football. And I grew up in 26, Paul, so I watched a lot of Clemsoning growing up. I watched Clemsoning stop. I don't. I don't think we're back to like this. Isn't Clemsoning anymore? This is something totally different because the way college ball is going is different. This is just a failure to adapt, and so on principle alone, I'm going to go with the team that looks like they're adapting more. I'm going to go with the coach who looks like he's adapting more. I'm going to tentatively, like a six out of ten in confidence, and not very high, go with your Florida State Seminoles. Yeah. I um I I'm I'm fifty fifty because I think this has become a rivalry game and you can't really mm-hmm. you know it's it, it, I mean it, like that it wasn't a route like Florida State has two main rivals and now they have a third and that would be Clemson right. so mm-hmm. like it's only developed that in that now Clemson has dominated this thing for seven years uh, and. Florida State hasn't won since Jameis Winston left, so that's got to be the but difference. That's the biggest advantage. That, yeah. That's the that's the biggest advantage because the players in the field 
are no longer Clemson's biggest advantage in this game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The psychological part of it's the advantage. Yeah, that that's what it is. Like they've just held it over their heads. Now, uh, elsewhere, um, you know, we have Oregon and Colorado. You know, the Dion hype train rolls into to um, to Eugene, and mm-hmm. this is going to be interesting to see. Even if they do wind up losing this game, which they are twenty point dogs in it, if they do, like one, do they do they shatter that spread? Which I think is an, a because of the way they play is a huge possibility. And mm-hmm. two, how do you respond to playing the best offense that you have seen, the most complete team you've seen all year, one that you can point to with Oregon and go? I mean, their problems are not as big as everybody else's problems. I mean, they they don't have many. Right. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, go to the craps table, let's play some, or you know, go to the casino, rather, and let's play some red zone roulette, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be a lot of yards, and then, I, I mean, I think Oregon ultimately wins the game. I think how close the game is is going to be defined by how well uh, Colorado's defense bows up in the red zone and gets stops down there and you know uh, how how often their their offense does the same thing I and mean, how often do they score and here's what i will say sure sanders like that is a guy who wants to stand in the pocket and he wants to make a play i will give this kid a lot of respect he is a tough customer uh sometimes to his detriment but you know, it is it is really worked out. I mean, he is he wants to hang in that pocket. He wants to hold that football. He wants to get through those reads. He wants to make something happen for his team, which is weird if you're in shoot offense. It's a guy committed to getting through his reads. But you, know, you love to see that. I think it's actually better for his NFL prospects uh, that we're seeing that for him. So, yeah, I, I think that's a compelling part of this game. But but Oregon's got the better horses, I think. I think, you know, I think depth-wise they're in a better spot and. Look, man, if Colorado State's offense can do it to you, there's a good chance Bo Nix and Oregon's offense can do it to you. And I've got a lot of confidence in what's going on right now. And Dan Lanning's talked a lot um, about this game, about this team. I think they're going to back it up, and they're at home too. So I think Dion's, Dion's teams have been, generally speaking, well-prepared. I thought last week they weren't well-prepared, which was odd to see against Jay Norvell's team. But I think this week they're going to be very well prepared. So yeah. I'm expecting a a close game, but I think Oregon's just got a little bit more quality. I, I wonder if he uh, seized – I mean, he was going to seize on the sunglasses thing either way, but if he leaned into it a little bit harder because he knew his team wasn't maybe going as well and needed to wake him up before mm-hmm. they went in there. And, of course, mm-hmm. they didn't wake up until late in the game. So No. Yeah, <laughs> no. no they, they didn't they, did, they didn't show who they were the previous two weeks until uh, very late in that game. All right. Um, Alabama and Ole Miss, Josh, what level of alarm bell needs to be going off at Alabama about the quarterback right now? Or is it not just the quarterback? Is it maybe their roster, while still fantastic, is not as deep and meaty as it used to be? Yeah, so I watched the Texas game, and I I think I came away from it looking at it differently than a lot of people did. I think they need Milrow because so you watch Texas, you watch Alabama last year, right? And they needed Bryce Young to make a lot of the plays that he made to overcome some of their deficiencies. And Jalen Milrow is not that guy. Now, how many guys are Bryce Young? He was a number one pick for a reason. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. For a reason. The guy is a spectacular player. And I watched that Texas game, and did he miss some open throws? Yes. 
but there's a lot of plays that if you insert not as athletic quarterback, if you insert Tyler Buckner there, they eat a lot more sacks and they don't have as many chances to spring big plays as they did as when Milrow was in the game. And so I came away from that contest feeling a little bit differently. And I was, I was shocked last week when they went away from him because there were opportunities to hit massive plays against Texas. Miller just didn't make the throws, but what you gave up in the throwing department, you made up for in the fact that he extended some plays that the other quarterbacks on their roster would not have been able to extend in a meaningful way. And so this is not just about the quarterback situation for Alabama, in my opinion. No, I, I think their roster is not as good as it has been. And, and like, look, yeah. the, most teams that aren't named Georgia would still probably swap rosters with them. Yeah. You know, like there's there's yeah. not that, but the rosters are a lot closer, so you have a chance to lose more games because would, would, would Michigan, would Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, LSU flip rosters with Alabama? No. No, right? that's more teams than we have in the past. Florida State, too. Yeah, yeah. No, there's teams that would be like, no, you know, you guys, that's great and all, but you know, we're right. we're, we're fine, we're good. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a big difference. Cam Rising is back for Utah. If that was not the case, I would pick U, UCLA in a walk, even in Utah, because of their offense. Their their plan to keep you in a rock fight without Cam Rising in the game probably doesn't work against Dante Moore. Um, who uh, probably people haven't seen enough yet uh, in that high flying Chip Kelly offense because even on a bad day they're going to have like a you know a twenty four point day like Chip Kelly will go in and be like we only scored twenty four and Utah right now was not doing that Cam Rising comes back I flipped my pick to Utah because they're at home Cam Rising's back they can make it the mm-hmm. kind of game they wanted to and they were in a shootout with UCLA last year anyway so. Um, do you think that we see maybe a similar game that we saw last year, even though this is Cam Rising's first game? Yeah, I mean, I hope UCLA has enjoyed their spring training. I'm not really sure what they've been doing the last three weeks. Yeah. Their schedule's been horrible, and they've, and they've been treating the games like spring training games, essentially. Look, Utah has has had this, like, really challenging schedule. I mean, they had the Florida game, you know, relatively speaking, that's what I'm saying. The Florida game the Baylor game and the Weber state is, uh, I think it was Weber state, right? Yeah. Not, and not a bad FCS school either. And so they've been through it already at home is the big advantage, right? Them being at home is such a massive advantage. And I think they can even take a quarter or two to ease cam rising into things. But I think he's, I think he's ready to go. I think, I think they, you know, and we've heard things about him. You know, we've seen him warming up, seeing it ready their team. And this is credit to Kyle Whittingham. Their program now is so good that they have been able to get by with third and fourth string quarterbacks. And look, Nate Johnson, who's a top 100 guy, I believe, you know, who saves their saves their tails against uh, against Baylor, was like the third fourth guy off the bench. Like, oh my God, you talking stash guys like that now? They can overcome by having the two best quarterbacks. So hell yeah, like this, like this is the. I don't want to call him a national power yet, but like West of the Rockies, Utah is a power. Utah is a legitimate power West of the Rockies now. And so I'm going to roll with them because they're at home and they're going to get their guy back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a believer. 
of all the teams coming in, like ranking like who the, the the eight teams that stayed should be the most afraid of, obviously it's Deion in Colorado because he's not even scratched the surface of what he's going to do yet. And that, that's what's really scary. Um, Utah because they are such a machine. And then to me, UCF yeah. because they've got um, – a, you know, one of the best coaches in, in America, and Gus Malzahn, uh, a guy who's done, who's been in national championship games, who's coached in the SEC, and now can recruit uh, a little bit more in Texas to add that to where he actually is in Orlando, Florida. But yeah, Utah is scary because as long as Whittingham is there, or they have that Whittingham mindset, say he retires and they hire somebody who's who just thinks exactly like him, they're going to be the toughest out because you will not be able to just rely on a certain way to beat them because they're going to punch you in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They, they're, they're a gut punch team. Yeah. Like, you put it perfectly. They want to punch the stomach. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, let's talk about Baylor and Texas. I mean, that, like big 12 is kind of a weird week. I want to talk about Baylor and Texas and, and tech and when West Virginia in, in particular, but Baylor and Texas Baylor is yet to show a lot of fire yet, Josh, but this Game to the fans of Baylor means a lot because this is the good riddance Texas game. Um, so there will be some emotion there, but there'll also be a lot of Texas fans there. Texas, this is a prove it week to, you know, kind of different than Florida State and Clemson. Florida State's problem last year was they beat everybody that they were supposed to, but any game that they were not the favorite, they proved that they weren't. This is a game where they can do that against Clemson, as where Texas, Texas' problem is when they're the favorite, most often they win, but when they weren't, they would lose these games that nobody saw coming. Yeah, um, I think the good news for their schedule way to start off is that they've been able to, to like, the Rice game, where, like, oh, they look bad. It's like, well, they're preparing for Alabama. In the Wyoming, they didn't look great in the beginning, but it's also because, you know, they've got Baylor on the horizon. So I'm a... Uh, I'm of the belief that they've been getting ready for this game. I think I think this might be a hammer and nail situation. Baylor to me has not shown the type of quality in terms of player, and the effort level has been. I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's a mixture of effort plus quality. I think that's kind of a, a situation. But like, I, I know last last week's game was weird, but this is kind of last stand time because if you get off to a one and three start, and look, I, they can kind of shake things up when Shapen gets back, but we don't know when that's going to be. So at some point, you need to show something. And look, they were tough against Utah, but in the end of the game, they crumbled. They, they, they didn't, they, their spine was not as tough as, as it looked like it was going to be at the beginning of the game. So there's a lot on the line here, in my opinion, for the Baylor Bears in terms of like what kind of season is this going to be for them. But I'm, I'm thinking more hammer and nail. And I think Texas is ready. I think Texas is ready to make another statement this week because it's been a week and I think uh, people weren't overwhelmed with their effort against Wyoming last week. Yeah. Uh, now, Texas Tech is a, is kind of a weird story this year. They had that upset against Wyoming, or a Wyoming upset them at their place, which I'm sure the next time Wyoming calls and says, you want to make that same deal again, Tech's going to be like, we'll get back to you. Um, <laughs> and then West they Virginia... Missouri, they've caught Wazoo, Wazoo with that game, too, so I'm not sure why teams keep going to play them so it's early in the season. Yeah, no. Look, Craig Bowles going to get you. He's got it. Like yeah. he's thinking he's about it. Yeah. And look, he went into Austin last week with that same kind of confidence. 
you know, carried it into the fourth quarter and then it was just, it was just too much. So, uh, but then they, you know, they, they lost a very spirited game against a a really good Oregon team. We've already talked about West Virginia got thumped by Penn state, which most people thought they would, but now they've turned around and they've beaten a pit team that they, that they really honestly, after watching the game, they probably should have beaten feel your Kovic is, uh, is struggling to complete passes, and even without their starter, their defense played really well. Neil Brown is playing this entire season with a chip on his shoulder because he knows every win counts twice as much for him when it comes to keeping his job. This one, for the rest of their seasons, to me, is big for Joey McGuire and Neil Brown, and for Neil Brown, the rest of his career in Morgantown. Right, so I've come into this season with West Virginia saying that I thought Neil Brown had to coach his way back onto the hot seat. I, I, I have been so unimpressed with what that program has brought to the table. And I have been very impressed with what's happening this year. Number one, he's taken back play calling. Because he has said, if I'm going to go out, it's going to be on my terms. Good. That is the way this thing should be. They have given you an extra, extra chance. It feels like, right, because of financial issues and that bad contract extension. And so I've been asking, what does West Virginia do well? Well, they want to run They want to run the ball, and they want to play some defense. And I thought their effort against Penn State, they were outclassed, thought the effort was great. I, I, was, I was a fan of the effort in that game. Then last week, I love what I saw, despite the fact the quarterback goes down, your running back goes down, they were fighting the entire way. And look, they're going to win some, they're going to lose some. But they were they were mixing things up, Paul, when it came to running the football last week. I mean, I, I was I was reaching out to a buddy who was West Virginia fan. I was saying, look, I, I love the way that they're mixing things up. It's actually a fun offense to watch because they have to get creative with how they're running the football. The receivers aren't that great, but their offensive line is their strength, and they're pulling guys, they're moving guys around. They're, they're, uh, there's a lot of variety in that running game. Yeah. On the other side of things. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead with te- Texas Tech. Man, Texas Tech. Uh, this, if you want to make a Big Twelve title push, you have to win this game. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I would, there's a lot of games this week, honestly, where I think you know people are saying, "Oh, it's the first conference game, whatever." Like BYU and Kansas. Let's let's be honest about it. Like, even if one of those teams loses the game, they're not going to be in the Big Twelve, Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. So one of those teams will emerge a dark horse. One of those teams will emerge as I'm sorry. Thank you know. Thanks for playing. Have a good season. All yeah. that kind of stuff. Texas Tech, if they want to be in Arlington, they have to win this game. They have to absolutely 110% win this game. There is no one and three start, and you end up in Arlington, in my opinion, for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. This thing is going to be one of two ways. So you have to win this game. They should win this game. I think they will win this game because they've got the better overall team at this point, and they're a bit healthier. But, um, yeah, there. I mean, there's some serious concerns there because they are – I know last year the big thing was, hey, we win close games. Well, when you play the way they do, right, like you can take – the games will go on these big swings because you might score fast. But if you play that fast and you hang your hat on playing fast, if you go three and out three times, you've had the ball for maybe two minutes total. Guess who's on the field all the time? Your defense. And their defense is not good enough to be getting meaningful stops that often. There's not many defenses that are. So if you want to play that way, you're gonna you're gonna have some variance, and I think we've seen that so far in their in the results. Yeah, I, I think with Tech, you know, look, you don't just replace a Tyree Wilson who is, you know, some guys are just insane pass rushers, and that makes up for so much on your defense because you're like, oh, we, 
got a three and out here. Well, how'd you do that? Because Tyree Wilson sacked the guy for a seven-yard loss. Like, that's how you got the three and out. And then you take him away, and you might still get some sacks, but you're not going to have those plays like he made. So I think they're seeing a little bit of that. I think that over time, I'm very bullish on what Joey McGuire is going to do in Lubbock. I agree. But, um, you know, having a Tyree Wilson, like, changes your whole thing. For any – like, you put Tyree Wilson on Georgia – you know, like all of a sudden they're even better. Like they'd be like, oh, we didn't think things right. could, this gets good. We have a Tyree Wilson, you know, you know, top five picks don't grow on trees. They don't, they're, no. they're, they're a hard thing to come by. All right. There is at six, six thirty. there is a three game slate and I'm sorry to leave Texas and Baylor out of this, but a three game slate that is going to be difficult to choose from the pack two championship in Washington state and mm-hmm. Oregon state, Notre Dame and Ohio state and the whiteout game, Iowa at Penn State. If you had to pick one, if I told you, Josh, we can only give you one TV channel, you have rabbit ear antennas, only one's going to come in, and you get to pick which one is going to come in. Which one are you doing? You pick the helmet game because that's what, what, as as a red-blooded American male, that's what you do. (laughs) You pick pick the helmet game. Well, here's the thing. So, luckily, I don't have to choose. Yeah. no, I'm a, I'm a bouncer. I, I'll go back and forth. Yeah. So, so, but if you don't have to pick one, yeah. I mean, I actually am really curious to see how good Kyle McCord is because the better quarterback is on Notre Dame's side, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for a team that has been producing not outstanding pro quarterbacks, but out, at least outstanding college quarterbacks, Ohio State has been the, the better in the last 10, 15 years. Like, Ohio State's normally had a better quarterback. And now Notre Dame has a better quarterback. Um and so, and also their offensive line is tremendous. And and Ohio State's defense has been very good at beating uh, teams that have been lesser than them, but I'm not sure this offense for Notre Dame is lesser offense. So let's see if Ohio State can take advantage of the fact that Sam Hartman likes to hold the ball, wants to throw it downfield, they want to make big plays. They also have a good offensive line that can protect for long periods of time. And then will the offensive uh, firepower show up? Can they get that running game going for uh, Ohio State? Um, how much red will there be in the crowd? We know Ohio State travels well. There's been a knock against uh, Notre Dame fans as well. Uh, you know, that when Georgia comes down, right, the Cubs game, mm-hmm. Friday night, people are calling the dogs, and you see the crowd on Saturday night. So what does that look like as well? I'm very curious, but, yeah, I mean, you've given me three and a half. I'm taking the Irish. That, that's the way I'm leaning. And I, I mean, my, my second choice is the Pac-2 game. Look, I'll go and look at the drive chart for the Iowa-Penn State game because that game's usually drunk as hell. So I'm going to look at the drive chart for that game after the game's over. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll get the highlights of that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I would go, number one, the helmet game, Notre Dame and Ohio State. Number two, I would go Pac-2 championship. Number three, I would go with the Iowa-Penn State game. I, I think that the, the Pac two championship game is going to be it's going to be electric. That's going to be yes. It's going to be so much fun. The Cam War DJU like this could be so much fun to watch. Um, I agree. Both those both those program like they're brethren, except now they have to hate each other tomorrow. I love it. Yeah, like we're yeah we're in this together, but f you for twenty four hours. Well, like, a Pac twelve title, a, a legitimate Pac twelve title contender will emerge from that game. Yes, uh, I think more so Oregon State if they win the game, but like. Yeah, I think a, a title contender will emerge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Enjoy the football weekend. We'll talk to you again soon, man. I always love having you on. Appreciate it, Paul. We'll talk soon. All right, Josh Neighbors, Crystal Ball College Football, the Neighborhood Watch. That's our our other our other channel. It has two fantastic podcasts on it. 
Uh, thanks, Paul. The Neighborhood Watch and College Football Chaos. College Chaos. College Chaos. Oh, yeah, we I forgot about the basketball, basketball thing. Yeah. College Chaos. So. But, yeah. Jack's on that one, so. And Garrett. I, and Garrett. I think Garrett's I mean, like, a big draw. Look, listen, Garrett's not here today. I don't have to pay him compliments. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no. um, we, Garrett, we know how you feel about us. No. Garrett, Garrett is on his way, a journey I've made several times, to Brownwood, Texas, to do a high school football game. Uh, and Brownwood is in a very strange part of – it's kind of where West Texas starts. And if you're not from Texas or you've not driven through Texas – I remember I had a friend, um, my college roommate was moving from Tallahassee to L.A. Uh, to, he was going, taking a, um, a job at Cal Baptist University. And so his mom was riding with him to kind of help him. He had a dog. And so he said, hey, I need to stop in Austin, and we're going to stay the night in Austin, and, and can I um, – do you know, like, I, I said, yeah, you can stay with my, my grandparents. Will, they'll put you up. And so they they stayed with my grandparents. I went down there to see him. And his mom goes, well, how much longer do you think we have? I said, well, to L.A.? I mean, it's going to be a while. She said, no, until we get out of Texas. I'm like, oh, no, about seven hours, eight, maybe nine. I don't know. It depends on what way you take and what you're hitting. She's like, well, we're we're halfway through. I'm like, eh, kind of, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a big state. It's, you know, we brag about it for a reason. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's what it is. And so, uh, Brownwood though, is like right where I would say West Texas starts. And that is, uh, it's a bit of a haul from here, but it's not all that far, but that's where he's going tonight. It's why he's not uh, here for the first part of the show like he normally is. So. Well, that we wanted to give him kind of as much of a day off as we could. Yeah. We like the guy, or at least some of us like There's the guy. There's also not a major thoroughfare that goes through there. So it's not like you can get on I. Any, well, I mean, you could, but you're going to like I. To, like There's a state highway, and it's a fine trip. It's normal, but it's not like you're not going on interstates or anything through there. Like You're going to have to you're gonna have to drive through some one stoplight towns. You're definitely gonna do that, Jack. Would you play break six here, please? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Yeah, would you play? Yeah, <laughs> so we get the the open correct. Um, well, maybe maybe or maybe it doesn't matter. I can't remember. It's been hours since I did that. When we come back, Sam Bradshaw, second three sixty five dot com breaks down how Baylor can win some matchups against Texas. This is three sixty five sports. Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott understand these are difficult and changing times we live in, but they know how important your financial investments are to you. So is your financial advisor staying in touch with you and helping you navigate today's financial climate? Invest with Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott will invest their time and experience back to you and your money. And like coaching athletes, investing money is about time, patience, and encouragement. Contact Ben Erlinson at 254 Chuck Verno at 720 North 64th Street, Brad Wilson's location at 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, and Cam Heath Cotton Conroe. Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott. Proud sponsors of 365 Sports. Edward Jones, making sense of investing, member SIPC.
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men... An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Now here's Paul Catalina. So uh, before we get to, to Sam Bradshaw, I just I have to answer a question on the uh, – Josh on the chat room asked – uh, is Brownwood close to Lampasas? And I said, what's close? I think it was a little bit, I mean, what is your definition of close? Is it, in Texas terms, yeah, sure, it's close. It's like an hour and a half or so away. Um, but in, or an hour, I guess, um, maybe more. I don't know, I haven't made that drive in a bit. But, yeah, close in Texas terms is is relative. Yeah, if it's further than Dallas to Waco, 100 miles, it's not close. Yeah, but 100 miles is close. Like we like in Florida, when I lived in Florida, if you drew like if you went Tampa to Orlando, which is like an hour and a half, 2 hours based on traffic, you were staying in Orlando. You didn't like make the loop and come back. But I have gone Dallas to Waco or Austin to Waco and back in a day and not even thought about it more times than I can count. I've gone Houston and back in a day five or six times and not even thought about it. And that's twice as long because it's just so different here. So anyway, but um, I'm sure Sam's done those too. And you just don't think about it when you live in Texas because everything's far apart, but it's, it's relative uh, to all that. But Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. Sam, outside, like, you know, you're not watching film and breaking down, you know, emotional output when it comes to Baylor. I think that's probably even before you get in the weeds on talent, what maybe their biggest issue is is that they they have a confidence problem, they have an emotional problem, they can't really, you know, intersect those peaks at the same time, even 
even against teams that they should beat handily. Uh, and they've got a team that's playing really confident right now coming in. But outside of that, scheme-wise, what does Baylor do that Texas could have problems with? Thanks for having me on. And I would add to that, you've got a situation where a lot of your better players are young, inexperienced, or injured problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about a Baylor team here that's missing its top quarterback, top running back, top safety, top linebacker, top defensive tackle. It keeps coming. Um, but getting more and more to what Baylor can do, Baylor's run game, particularly if Sawyer has the ability to run or if they get shaped in there, who can throw, both of which are iffy at best. Um, they, that wide zone scheme does a good job kind of displacing the defense, and Grimes does a really good job scheming things off of it that could potentially give Texas some good, some good trouble on that. But really, this is going to come down to, you know, what can Baylor do? I'm, I'm, I'm not as worried on the offense as I am defense. I mean, the offense, if Sawyer can run a little bit, I think you have at least a little bit to keep them off balance. But, you know, the passing output has to be an awful lot better than it was. That was – last week was not serviceable. And if it's not – and if that's not going to get it done, you probably need to get that Martinez kid a chance to sling it and put in a package for him. But defensively is where my biggest concern is. Um, Sarkeesian is one of the masters at just what you do. I'm going to use pre-snap motion – formation show your guys a couple different things and then from there i'm going to get a situation where my guy has the edge on yours multiple times last year uh once out of the wildcat and once near the goal line where they uh tossed it to Bijan. they motioned away from where they were going and then baylor's defense predictably adjusted and then they had open grass with leverage for the offensive player I think this is a game where even if your guys don't match up all that great in the back end, being aggressive, hitting them with some, some with some heavy zone pressures and doing some other things just to try and get them off kilter is going to probably be your best option. Ewers is very, very good when he's on, but he can be a little erratic and a little streaky. And uh, you saw that against Wyoming. And if the Bears can do that, that will make this game a lot more interesting. Texas is obviously a lot deeper uh, than Baylor. Is the secondary versus those receivers the matchup that is the most troubling? When you've got Xavier Worthy and Jatavian Sanders, and I mean, heck, Isaiah Neor is not even played, right? And that was a guy they were thrilled about having. Jordan Whittington's like the fourth option. They are so unbelievably pick your poison on offense right now when they are going. Uh, this is this kind of pales in comparison to a lot of the teams or those teams pale in comparison to what Texas has thrown out this year. Well, I think they've got a good set of skill guys. I mean, Xavier Worthy's been their 100-meter dangerous guy that you have to keep your eyes on the whole time for a couple of years now. Um, and then, of course, getting the Georgia transfer is huge. And then winning is a nice complimentary piece. And then Sanders is a pretty solid receiver in his own right. But what makes him really difficult is they can put him into patterns and they can use him as a receiving threat out of different formations because he's a tight end that's that versatile. And it works really well with Sark's design. You know, Baylor's got some limited limitations on the defensive end just in terms of how, how they're going to match up the coverage. So getting some of those guys back healthy, particularly if they can get the nose tackle, that could potentially help a lot, but 
really, I'm more worried about the overall approach. Are you going to sit back in some of your more conservative looks and let yourself be schemed of, schemed against, or are you going to try and disrupt these guys? And, you know, you might give up a play or two, but you also might get off the field a couple times. And getting off the field a couple times, if your offense can get it going and milk some clocks, that could lead you into an interesting situation late in the game. So, Sam, um, what is your best prediction for how this game is going to play out? I think Texas is going to get out to a lead. I think they're I think it's not the Alabama game. It's not some other game. I don't think they're – my best description on Texas offensively is it reminds me a lot of 2010 Baylor, not 2011 when Rob won the Heisman and everything like that. It's an offense that you can see where they're going, but so many of the parts are still kind of young but kind of getting their experience in. You've got a lot of ability to do a lot of different things, but the precision's not quite there. Yeah. And as such, you have games where those offenses would potentially disappoint. You know, um, you saw a couple of those with Baylor where they hit a couple big plays against A&M that year, but the offense sputtered apart from that. And they had the awful outing in Fort Worth, and then they had the bad bowl game against Illinois. But then the following year, they were juggernaut. You know, I feel like this Texas team is very talented, but they are very young. I mean, they've got like maybe five offensive linemen with any real experience. Now, they're all highly recruited guys, but that's not a whole lot of experience in that depth. And you've, you've got similar situations at different parts of that roster that if you can disrupt them, you have a chance. I don't think they're quote-unquote back yet. I think that they've got – I think they're on the way to being, and Sarkeesian's a guy that took Washington from 0-11 and, and brought them to like two or three consecutive bowls and left a full cupboard for Chris Peterson to take the next leg with. Um, I think they'll get there. It's just – I think they're a year away. Do you think that Quinn Ewers is a year away too then, based on that? Well, I think his maturity has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's a guy that can be a little streaky right now, uh, just through stretches of that Wyoming game. But when he's on, he's really on. And you even saw that a little bit in the Baylor game last year until Baylor's defensive front wore out and Texas was able to kind of just get what they wanted late in the game in the run game. Um, but, you know, I feel like he's got all the tools. And when he's on – his accuracy is really good, but he I don't think he's quite there yet, but he's got the tools to really develop into something. So, Sam, um, after this week, like, you know, this is going to be a big game full of emotion for fans. This is the, you know, kind of for Baylor fans, the good riddance Texas game, you know, uh, on your way out the door kind of a thing. Now, look, the, the stadium's going to be a lot of burnt orange. It's sold out. The students' allotment is sold out. That does not happen uh, all that often. Um you know, where they're just going to be wall-to-wall, uh, green and gold on that side. But um, how much does emotion have to play a factor in this game for Baylor? I think in terms of focus and preparation, it absolutely does. I think it'll definitely play a role. Um, you know, you, you got to get up for games against in-state opponents. You absolutely have to. Um, and you know they definitely want to send Texas out with an L. You know all the remaining Big 12 teams absolutely want to do that both them and Oklahoma. 
Um, you know, so it's definitely front of mind, but I'm, you know, I'm much more of the mind. Let's, let's just see how Baylor handles Baylor. So, so far this year, you've seen spots where they've looked really good. Like the offense with Sawyer in the first half against Utah looked really good. And then once he got injured, everything fell apart. And then you saw, you saw stretches where that defense was playing well until they had an awful drive with 10 guys on the field late in the game to let them tie it. And then everything unraveled, you know, you've seen stretches where these guys have actually played reasonably well, but they've got to put it together and they've got, and honestly to win this weekend, they probably need a little help from Texas making some mistakes and here's hoping some uh, young guys can do that. What do you think this game means for the rest of the season for Baylor? Honestly, not a lot. Um, other than another win and a chance to really just grab some momentum. But in the grand scheme of things, it's going to come down to can you get your act together week in, week out? That's something that eluded this team for the most part. And, you know, you so much of it is what you're doing, not necessarily who you're facing, which is why you've seen them look pretty poorly against two of the weaker teams they played. I mean, don't get me wrong, Long Island was never going to win that game. But just the sloppy play on a couple defensive possessions there and then offensively just not being in sync at all and letting a receiver get deep and outside on a on top of a defender who was playing deep and outside of him. Um, you know, you just can't have that. I mean, you can't let the let that sweep series and that quarterback sweep series, the receiver and quarterback attacking each edge, you can't really let that tear you apart. You know, you've got to find a way to get things done and handle your business. That's not your opponent being so good. That's you needing to handle your business. If they do that, this is a team that could rattle off a few wins. But we need to see them do it. Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. Sam, great stuff. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you. Sam Bradshaw. And, uh, yeah, Jack, this one, I'm just curious to see if they can they can find the fire and ride it for a little while. You know? They, yeah. There seems to be a lot of differing opinions on the fire, the juice of the team. Like, guys inside that room, inside that locker room, they believe they have it. They believe they have that energy. Um, some on the outside are with them. Some some are very much like, I haven't seen anything like that. So it's going to be interesting to see because I do think they will come out with energy no matter what today and uh, tomorrow. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see what form that's in and how noticeable it is. Yeah. Um, they've got They've got to hit something they haven't found yet emotionally. And maybe they will. Like Texas is coming in. That that's that's as good a reason as any to get fired up. Honestly, like I would need no bigger motivation than ruining Texas season to get fired up. But it's also about fired up, staying locked in. And then the other thing that happens is when things don't go this team's way because they were on such a long losing streak, their confidence gets rattled so quickly. And then like again, the Utah game. You know, look, that, of course, that pick that set up Utah for the win was in the worst possible place on the field it, it could have been. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that, like, outside of it being at the one-yard line, it was just, well, especially, like, it was even maybe even better for Utah 
They got to control the clock at the end because of because where of where the they were. Was. You know, like it was. It worked out like all right. Well, this is if you had picked where to start a drive with this much time on the clock, I'd, I'd pick right here at the thirty-one yard line or where they were. You know, like if if you take for granted that Baylor should come out and start decently, mm-hmm. whether that's a drive or the game as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think the key is going to be they need to finish. Every opportunity they have, they need to finish. You get into the red zone, you need to finish with a touchdown. Uh, you you have it close at halftime, finish the half strong. You have it close heading into the fourth quarter, somehow, yeah. if possible, Look, somehow you have it close like that. You need to finish. Like Even if they – I don't know how the team would react if this ended up being like TCU last year. Because I don't think they're they're in it for moral victories, no matter what they might say post game. Well, I think I think that one in particular is what what really crushed them. Yeah, because they were right there, uh, and then so yeah, which makes me worried for this this team this year having a game. If if they get in that same scenario, could they get crushed for the year in week four? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Golly, yeah. Um, yeah, that that's 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 interesting. I I, I don't know. I I think that um, I think there's a lot like they're they're teetering on the brink of either like fixing things and like all right, well they can they can win. So, look, there's there's no reason they shouldn't be competitive after this one in, in, in every game that they they play. I mean, there's nobody on the schedule who looks that daunting outside of of Kansas State to me. But there are matchup problems that. I wonder about like when you get like when you're playing TCU and they're just so wide open and can go, go, go like, you know, you have one bad quarter against them. The offenses just don't are so different that they're maybe not set up to come back down from 17. They might come out maybe down 10, but 17 might be too much for, for this particular team. And that's why if Texas jumps out to a big league, I think it would be, be wild. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for them to, to do that. And if Texas has any kind of confidence, they're in the, this is Steve Zarkeesian even said it like they're reveling in this. Like, yeah, we're going to be booed everywhere anyway. And now booed extra because you're leaving the conference and all that stuff. And they're, they're there for it. So this is the first time that that's going to happen to them this year where the other team is extra mad at you and they're already on a default setting or mad at you for being Texas. So now they're extra mad. So can they go in there and take those shots with, you know, I don't know the fan, the players may not care as much as the fans do, but the fans are certainly going to make you feel it. I just love how we're finding ways to come up with questions for Texas when really all the questions are about Baylor. Yeah. Like Texas, these questions, you know, they should answer like they should answer them. Baylor has all these questions where you're just like, Show me something. Like, try to answer it, please. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's see. It's a little early. Jack, go ahead and take, play break five here since we didn't. Yeah. So we're going to catch up on that. We'll do another quick segment here. And then at 530, we're going to talk Wazoo and the Pac-2 championship, which is what this game should be called. Trademarking it right now. Pac-2 I, I tra- think someone in the chat said that in the first 15 minutes of the show that they're trademarking it no they just uh, said it look so i'm doing the show i can't always read the chat pack two championship look paul it's not an original thought it's not but i'm trademarking it 
Wow. It's, look at, You're going to steal from the loyal viewers of this show? Yes. Yes, I am. No, I don't know. I don't think. Here's the thing. Trademarking something like that. How, how far is that going to get you? Like they're 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 not even going to call it that. Whenever what happens with the Pac-12 and Mountain West and relegation and all that comes back around, they're not going to. When we come back, uh, just kind of another short college football segment, and then we'll talk Wazoo and Oregon State. This is three sixty five Sports. Alan Samuels in Waco right now. Amazing deals. You may want to know why would I want to go anywhere else? Ram Power Days get a 2023 1500 Lone Star 4x4 Crew Cab, $11,000 off MSRP or 2.9% financing for 72 months. 2023 1500 Laramie 4x4 Crew Cab, $12,500 off MSRP or 2.9% financing for 72 months. And on top of that, it is the Jeep Adventure Days, a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited. or how about 10% off MSRP on the 2023 Jeep Gladiators. All trim levels, Sport, Overland, Rubicon, Mojave, that's right. Or if that's not enough, the 2023 Jeep Compass, 10% off MSRP. They have the inventory. Ted Teague, the general manager and CEO, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, Loop 340 east of 84. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC. See an equal housing lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. MRI.com. It was broad daylight 
I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. I'm going to give a quick shout out to, you heard Smokey talking about Alan Samuels. Uh, I took my car in this week to Alan Samuels. I bought my car there. I've had repeated air conditioning problems and they fixed it. It is, it's like sitting in an icy tornado in there now. And this is not a state where you can skate by without that. So, and I, I just tried to just want to what say. What do you mean? I did that for like two different summers. Oh, God. You're a better man than me. Yeah. Yeah. Like two, two, we do that. Two seconds into it breaking, I was, I was just driving. It, you know when it broke down was last Friday on my way here, two o'clock in the afternoon. Like, okay, well, this is going to be a problem for three days. But uh, thanks to Ted Teague and everybody over there. I uh, love Ted. I uh, love everything they do. So, uh, and thank you so much for their sponsorship uh, of this program. I, uh, Jack, we have, I've neglected a couple of the games, and you pointed out to me. We have not gotten in-depth about BYU-Kansas. We have not gotten in-depth about the, the skillet, uh, which is the last time they're going to play that one for a little bit, as TCU is leaving the rivalry. And then we have not talked a lot about Texas Tech and West Virginia, although I did with Josh. Well, talk with Texas Tech and West Virginia. Swing game for either one of them. Oh, yeah. Swing Big game. Uh, and if Texas Tech wants to live up to the hype, they've got to win it. If Neil Brown wants to continue to build on what he did last week, he's got to win it. You know, because you beat the rival, he might get, you know, a 20% bump of like, okay, well, you beat Pitt. So let's see where this is going. But if you turn right around and lose to Texas Tech, which is going to be tough. It's in, it's in Lubbock, right? No, it's in Morgantown. It's in Morgantown. It's Morgantown. So if you turn right around yeah, and lose at home, so if you turn right around and lose, you know that 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 goodwill evaporates really quickly. The fact that it's in Morgantown makes it so much more interesting to me because I think if it's if it's in Lubbock, um, I think it's a pretty much no brainer. Tech should win that, but the but it being out in West Virginia, you've got there's a real weird home field advantage that I feel like they have on the rest of the Big Twelve, not necessarily teams that are regionally close to them, but mm-hmm. the Big 12. Um, and Joey needs this win. He built up, frankly, too much hype this offseason. Yeah. He built up too much hype this offseason, and I put it on him because I think he really got that train rolling. Now, maybe he wanted to pull it back. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But he this is, a, this is about as must-win as it can be, I think, for him right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, going to the Iron Skillet game, uh, I this one has been good over the last few years. You know, the the last one with, with well, Sonny Dykes versus Gary Patterson where 
Sonny Dykes essentially won Gary Patterson's job away from him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what a nice to know that that was going to happen, like going into that game. The winner <laughs> the winner gets the loser's job. The winner takes the Power 5 job. <laughs> yeah, the winner. But, um, but no, that, that one was really interesting. And then now with TCU leaving the rivalry, SMU going to the ACC, this one's got a little sauce on it. We had Taylor McCarg on the other day. He thinks, I, I tend to agree with them, that Preston Stone's the better quarterback in this matchup. And... I think it's going to be really good. And TCU, you know, they they really God, they, they they need they need something a little bit more. They got that win against Houston, but Houston might have a lot more problems than we even realized at the start of the year. TCU needs needs to get some momentum going. That yeah. that opening loss to Colorado, uh, I think is going to sting them a little bit because now they're the first victim of Dion and like they can't turn on the TV without hearing about it. So while that one's long since over for Colorado, it's probably going to sit in your head a little bit more. Be like, man, we were at the front of this train and and so close and didn't get it done. And um, yeah, I mean, like, look, if, if TC, here's the deal: if Dion doesn't win that game against TCU, if it's forty-five, forty-two, the narrative on Dion at two and one is like, whoa, he's interesting. They've got a fun offense, but. You know, they just beat Nebraska, who's got a lot of problems, and then they, they beat Colorado State in a thriller. So things are more interesting, but it's not a 3-0, and could this team contend with the other big dogs in the Pac-12 thing? And TCU started that. So I think that's a little bit probably in their head. Yeah. So they need to th- – this is a rivalry game. They need to get a W and then sprint into the, the rest of the Big 12 season, although they've already played one conference game when they yeah. beat Houston. There are some consequences beyond this year, though, for both these programs. Mm-hmm. Now now that SMU is joining the ACC, it makes it that much more important for TCU to maintain the, we're the more established Power 5 program. Mm-hmm. We've been here. We are still better. Because recruiting in Dallas is about to get a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like though, I don't want to insult TCU right now so smu has been towards the bottom of the barrel out of the out of the schools that can pick from dallas i mean ou and texas are at the top along with any sec school that wants to come in Mm -hmm. you know baylor tech tcu they get kind of the next pickings and so when you introduce smu to that level um especially in a head-to-head recruiting matchup with tcu winning this last skillet i think it it only gets more important because because of the the hiatus, because TCU is leaving that rivalry on the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there's there's going to be there's going to be some some saltiness, I think, on either side of this thing. And you know, Sonny Dykes and TCU need to embrace that. So, uh, but yeah, I think they're I think both teams are going to get each other's best shot. This game has never really been boring. Um, or I say never, but not been boring in the last few years. I don't expect that uh, this year. Even though TCU, I think, kind of handled them a little bit last year, but. Um, yeah, I I think that this one's going to be exciting. I think that that um, that Preston Stone it's gonna it's gonna have fun. He's gonna, but I, I think I think I think TCU finds a way to pull it out. I think TCU maybe finds a way to pull it out, but like I'm not going to be surprised with either outcome. Yeah, like, I, what, what however this game goes, you know, I, I, the only thing I expect is to be kind of back and forth and close. When I'm over at the tailgate, because I'm, I'm going to be there pretty early, I'm probably going to be watching the end of this this game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't blame you for that one. Now BYU in Kansas. Look, BYU had a huge road win against an SEC team in Arkansas. And, you know, to be fair, a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. Yeah, how much better than Kansas is Arkansas? I don't don't know if they're better. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, they played each other in the the bowl game last year, and it went down to 
you know, two point conversions. Yeah. So you know how bet much better than they are? One overtime of one play of a completed pass better. That's how much better they are. It's also a very interesting matchup of, of coaches because Kalani Sataki runs a, g- a great program. Yeah. Great coach. But Lance Leipold is building something that Kansas hasn't seen in a long time, which is just a solid football program. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, look, I think Jalen Daniels here is the different. I think he's exactly. the, I think he's the, like, Three points usually in Vegas is your home field advantage. I think he's the other seven in this thing because I think that's what he is, especially let's just say they're only leading by three or four late in the game and Kansas gets the ball back. Jalen Daniels to me with the, hey, you need to go score a touchdown and put this thing away is one of the guys I would want in the whole country. And the Kansas offense is never going to be their problem. That's like – I say never. It's rarely going to be their problem. Like, somebody's going to have to do a really good job on them to contain them to a point where you're like, man, what's going on with the offense today? Now, can they get in everybody else's way? We'll see. I think this is going to be a pretty decent game, but I think that 10-point spread is probably really... It got up to 10? Yeah, I think it's up to 10. It was 8. Was it 8 yeah, before? I saw it at 8 earlier in the week. I think it, I think it moved to 10. I might be wrong, but I think I think about 10 points is about what you're going to see here. It's going to be a close game. Half. Nine and a half. So, yeah, nine and a half makes a little sense to me here in this one. When we come back, we're going to talk Wazoo versus Oregon State in a game I am so insanely excited for with Jamie Vinnick of KookFan.com. This is 365 Sports. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels in Waco, get 2.9% for 72 months on new 2023 1500 Lone Star and Laramie 4x4 crew cabs or 11000 off MSRP on Lone Stars and 12500 off MSRP on Laramies. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick em, Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duvall, marketing director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40 pound bundles. 
they'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time, what Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Three sixty five sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Jamie Vinnick of KookFan.com joins us now. And Jamie, I I know like we're gonna talk about realignment in a second and the Cougs really unfortunate position in all of this. Uh, but for them to be right now a team that the rest of the Pac-12 is scared of, that is playing a team in Oregon State that the rest of the Pac-12 is scared of, in a game for even so much more than the, just this win, what's the vibe around Pullman right now? Oh, it's um, it's certainly buzzing. There's a lot of people in town, um, a lot of Coug fans. I haven't seen a lot of beef fans yet, but I'm sure they'll be here sometime uh, later on, but... You know, I think there's a lot of anticipation for this game. You know, when you take out all the realignment uh, stuff and all, you know, the, the unity between these two schools, it's a big football game. You know, you're talking about two ranked teams, two 3-0 and teams, and two teams who have aspirations this season. And, you know, one of those teams is going to come out of this 4-0 with a rank with a rank win. If it's Washington State, they will have two ranked wins under their belt. If it's Oregon State, they'll have their first big win of the season playing a softer non-conference schedule. So, you know, I think both ADs and coaches and everyone has kind of said, you know, for about four hours on Saturday, three and a half hours, all that, uh, you know, that brotherhood, that partnership, that's off the table because these are still two programs who want to go out and win this game. And, you know, if they want to reach their potential and get to where they want to be, they need to win this game. You know, uh, Cam Ward is from here in Texas. He went to UIW, and then now he's become this huge star. What has been the biggest part of his growth where he would have times last year where he looked like this, and then a drive later he would look maybe a little bit um, out of his element for a little bit. But now it appears he has completely taken control, and he is one of the most lethal players in the Pac-12. Yeah, I think it's a variety of things. Um, you know, the first thing is Ben Arbuckle comes in as the new OC, and they immediately change a lot of Cam's mechanics. You know, he was he would backpedal last year when he dropped back, go all the way back, and then run himself into trouble. His drops are crisper this year. He's taking a three-step drop and getting the ball out. You know, I think Arbuckle's play calling and his, uh, his scheme and his designs are a lot simpler, but also a lot more effective. You know, Eric Morris – just ran a lot of bubble screens last year. There was a lot of reasons for that, but they were ineffective. Arbuckle gets the ball out quick. He uses his playmakers. He spreads the offense out, and he runs it at a high tempo. And then I think you look at the offensive line. It's a lot better than it was last year. And to me, one of the biggest things is the receivers. Well, these receivers were not good enough last year. They were soft on the ball. They did not block well. That has completely changed. These guys have really, really stepped up. Lincoln Victor, in particular, has got 342 yards. I think he's 11th in the country in yards, six maybe in reception. He's a guy that has kind of helped Washington State change their offense to, into what they want it to look like. So I think it's a collection of things. And Warden has certainly gotten better and taken strides, but he's had a lot of help around him, too, that he maybe didn't have last year. Jamie, how much has the realignment thing defined this season going in for Jake Dykert and the Cougars? You know, I think Jake has said uh, – quite often that they're not going to let it 
be a distraction. They're going to put in the, you know, on the back burner. There's only so much you can do that. I, I know the guys are thinking about it. I mean, Dickert goes out after the Wisconsin game and says we belong in the Power Five. So it's on his mind. It's on the mind of the players. But, you know, I think Dickert's a coach that he focuses so much on preparation and culture that these guys, you know, when it comes time for the field, they're bought in. Their mindset is what they say, go and want to know every week. And it's cliche. A lot of coaches use that. But I think there is a, a focus on the field. Um, you know, I'm sure there's – I know there's frustration. I know that, you know, for Dickert, for a lot of the coaches at Washington State and for a lot of the players who will be back next year, they think they should be Power 5, and a lot of evidence suggests that they should. Uh, but I think they've done a pretty good job of, of tuning it all out and just going out and playing football. And, you know, the results so far have been pretty good. So what is the future of the Pac-2 and the Mountain West and possible relegation? What do you think that is going to come out of the of this, you know, maybe radical model that they are, are coming up with? Well, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. I mean, I think the dream for, for Wazoo and Oregon State fans is they find a Big 12 invite along the way. I don't know how plausible that is, but I think that's still the, the hope they're holding out for that they get into the Big 12 and they, they retain that power status. You know, otherwise it probably looks like some kind of merge with the Mountain West or, you know, there is a possibility that they hang out for a couple of years and see what opens. They get a, a two-year grace period that they can, if they really wanted to, operate as the Pac-2 and, you know, go quote-unquote independent until they find where they want to go next. And I think, you know, the mindset behind that would be with the amount of realignment we've already seen, there's another domino or 10 still to fall. You know, how much longer are Clemson and Florida State in the ACC before someone else comes calling? You know, how many of these schools going to new conferences, you know, realize uh, this was a wrong decision. Maybe we need to backtrack. So I think there's a lot of variables that, you know, present the opportunity to perhaps do that little Pac-2 idea. But I also think there might be some desire to get stability and say, okay, we're just going to join the Mountain West and if something else opens up, We'll see what happens. I would just think the logistical nightmare of scheduling everything that has been taken away from you automatically would be would be really hard to pull that one off. No, and I think that is definitely one of one of the concerns is okay, you've got, you know, ten months, twelve months to the next football season. You've got to find yourself you know, you assume they play each other and Washington State's got Portland State on the schedule, so they'll play them no matter what. Then you've got to find, you know, nine, ten games, and a lot of teams have their schedules finalized, you know, and that what, what does that turn into? That turns into Washington State either playing a very soft schedule or having to play a lot of these teams that are going into the Big Ten or Big 12 who need to schedule games as well, and I, I don't know if that's the, the best idea for Washington State. So there is certainly a logistical issue of, hey, we're going to go independent and we're going to find nine games to schedule, ten games to schedule. Great, you've got eight months to do that. You know, you're, you're not going to get the schedule you want it's either going to be extremely challenging or extremely easy do you think fans would embrace the relegation model i do i i actually do i mean just kind of looking around twitter and what people have said and i think a big reason for that is is you know the view of washington state fans and i think oregon state fans as well with the last couple of years is you know they wouldn't be in danger of relegation based on that model pat john said as much yesterday that you know, if you went to some kind of model like this, the way Washington State has played over the last now seven to eight seasons, they're not in danger of that. I mean, it'd be one thing if we're talking about a, a perennial four and eight program that, hey, they've had an occasional year, but, you know, every year since 2015, save the COVID season, 
Washington State has made a bowl game, um, you, you know, and, and not necessarily, the you know, a high-end game every year. There's a little lot of seven, eight-win seasons. But, you know, this is a program who is cons- that has consistently beaten teams with more talent, with better recruits, with, with all these advantages. And that comes down to coaching development and so on. So I, I do think Coug fans would be very open to this relegation system just because, uh, you know, at least right now, it's hard to see a scenario in which they're really in danger of getting relegated. Jamie, when did you feel that the Pac-12 was legitimately in trouble? Oh, I, honestly, for me, it was that Friday morning when you wake up and see that Washington and Oregon are leaving. Uh, we were at uh, at fall camp. I forget what day of practice, day two or three of practice, and there had been the early morning rumors that, hey, there might be this thing that's coming together to keep it all intact. And, um, and then once Washington and Oregon left, I didn't see a future for it. I thought – you know, it would be tough without the L.A. schools, but I thought it would still survive. Um, you know, I think when Colorado left, the reaction of a lot of people was whatever. I mean, Colorado had been in the conference for years, and as Dan Lanning said, that Oregon said, yeah, they didn't do a whole lot while they were here. Granted, that's changed a little bit this season with, with Dion, but, you know, I think it was that the loss of UW in Oregon was like, uh, yeah, this could be problematic. Um, this conference probably can't survive with the remaining seven teams, and then, you know, Hours later, Arizona, Arizona State, and uh, and Utah all bail. So uh, I think for me, the, the death blow was, was UW and Oregon. I, I thought it could survive without the LA schools. So I haven't been thinking this all year, the last year and year and a half that oh, it's done now. USC and UCLA are gone. Uh, but when UW and Oregon left, that's when I said. Uh, yeah, the Pac-12 is probably in some uh, some trouble here. It, it is interesting to hear that from your perspective because we, you know, we've been covering realignment here on, on our our show, you know, since Texas No You left, you know, and and how that affected us down here in Big Twelve country and and all that, and then to hear it from people, especially from Oregon State and Washington State, were both really optimistic that it was going to stick together and and think that there was nothing, and then just depending on where you were in the country, like, no, there's no way. It is interesting to hear that, like, inside of it, like, yes, it made a whole lot more sense for them to stay together, especially when you look at the 10 teams that left, had they just taken the Apple deal, they're all about getting the same money without having to travel as much. So it's a little bit weird that it all wound up the way it did. Right, and I think that's so much of the frustration is, you know, Washington State and Oregon State are looking, first off, they're looking at a lot of the programs that are getting into these conferences. And, you know, there's an understanding of, of the markets and the TV money and so on. But, you know, I think I think for the Cougars, they look at, at Arizona and they look at Colorado again prior to this year. And, you know, these are two programs that have been largely irrelevant on the national stage for a long time. And that's not to say Washington State and Oregon State have been, you know, going to Rose Bowls every year. But these are programs that have had winning seasons for several years now. Washington State has consistently run Arizona right off the field every time they've played. Um, so I think, you know, in Arizona's got the basketball draw. They've got, you know, a bigger market in Tucson. And, again, I think there's a lot of understanding with that. I think the frustration comes from, you know, a lot of these decisions, they're not made off merit. I mean, Cal and Stanford are going into a power conference. Stanford obviously has incredible women's sports, but their football team has been off the map for a few years. Their men's basketball team has been off the map. I mean, Cal, quite frankly, is, is not particularly good at anything or hasn't been lately. So I think there's some frustration that comes with that. And then I think, you know, it's, uh, you look at the money. Yeah, I mean, Washington and Oregon are taking half shares. I mean, so many of these schools are taking almost no money for, for what exactly? You know, to the bigger brand name. Yeah, I get that. You know, and I, 
I saw a lot of arguments from, especially from Washington and Oregon fans, is yeah, we get these big uh, these big games, Ohio State and and Michigan. Okay, you also were playing Rutgers and you're playing Northwestern, and and no disrespect to those programs, but you know it's not like you're going 12 weeks, 10 weeks of we're playing a ranked team on national TV on uh, the front of the grand stage every week. You're going to play a lot of 9 a.m. kickoffs on Peacock uh, and East Piscataway that, you know, isn't going to get that much attention. So I think there were a lot of factors uh, that, that kind of contributed to the frustration for Washington State and Oregon State, largely, though, it's just it's the fact that the merit of the two schools and their athletic programs weren't getting into some of these conferences, whereas that isn't necessarily true for some of the others. Jamie, great stuff. Enjoy the game tomorrow. I'm sure it's going to be wild. Wild and fun to watch. Sure will. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Jamie Vinnick, Kookfan.com. Jack, he's he's going in the rotation. That was a fun segment. Uh, he he was passionate. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I mean, look, to sit there and like, okay, the goal of any athletic department is to be good and everything, right? And then they're doing that and they just happen to be in Pullman compared to Tucson. You know, like that's that's something you can't really control. Like you can't go back in time and be like, you know, we should we should build Washington State University in a different place. You know, you can't you can't do that. So yeah, I, not I, if they were in Walla Walla. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I think Drew Drew Bledsoe from Walla Walla. I think he's maybe the most famous Walla Walla resident. I have no idea. Who well, and he is Washington from Walla Walla. Washington State as well. Point is, yeah. Anyway, all right. When we come back, the top five. This is three sixty five sports. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC. See an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue, 
you for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 thoughts on college football relegation. Jack, I know that you and I had a passionate discussion about this before the show. Oh, yes. You are, you are very for this model because you are a fan of European soccer. Yes, I'm sure everyone everyone in the chat room, all the viewers, want to hear more about how much I love soccer. But, but the, you are. But, I mean, the thing is is that you give uh, interesting insight into this. So, as we go along, you can... Because I have experience as a fan watching yes. and having a team relegated, which I actually have experienced that as a fan of a club. So... What 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 club? AFC rele- Bournemouth got relegated from the English Premier League to down to the uh, the Championship, their second tier, okay. uh, a few years ago. Now they're back up. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. And so you had to ride that whole wave. Yeah. Yeah. Two years down. Yeah. Number five. Will the fans of those teams welcome it? You just heard from Jamie Vinnick. He thinks that they will. Uh, in that it is it is interesting. It's different. And in the world where you're going to get ignored. By the other ones, why not do something different? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely different when um, you can sit there like Washington State and feel confident that you're not going to get relegated. That's different than being one of those schools. It's like, we might be a yo-yo school. We might be we might be a school that just gets sent down and never really gets the benefit of being buoyed by better schools because a lot of schools, Baylor included, has had periods where we have been able to benefit from being towed along by the Texases and Oklahomas financially. Yeah, here's the other thing. I, I don't think it'll hurt. If you look at the Euro- European soccer and college football are pretty similar in that if you are from Reading, England, your club is Reading. It's not like, you know, you're not a Man U fan unless you're one of those people who's like I like the Lakers and Cowboys and Yankees here in America you are a fan of Reading that's your club just like it's your university if you are a college fan so in that regard I don't think you lose that much interest because I think it's kind of the same like it's it's kind of the same that way well I think the interest that you gain mainly is from the fact that there is something that should be attainable to win for you every year like you should you should feel if the the tiers are made correctly that you have a shot to win your tier mm-hmm. every year college football more so than even European soccer mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. So I think that just keeps fans more interested. Yeah. All right. Number four, does it create new interest in mid-level programs? And I mean this not from the not places like Fresno State or App State, but um, but from around the country. Do I maybe now tune into this league that I had previously kind of shoveled to the side because there's there's some more toppings on this pie, you know? Like, oh, hey, that's interesting. That's not like, let's see what happens, and let's see if this team moves up or down. For example, if you are Oregon State, and you have a bad run of a couple years, and you've got to beat Fresno State to, like, I might tune into Oregon State and Fresno State a lot more if I know that there's, like, there's blood on the line, you know? Yeah, say say your team is in the tier above those two, Mm -hmm. and they're playing to get out of that tier, to get into your tier. Are you not going to pay attention because you want to see what you're going to have to play next year in well, one of your one of your opponents? It's all about creating a national draw, right? That's why everybody's gotten to move. That's why Oklahoma and Texas can call up a conference and say we're leaving. That Oregon and Washington can make a deal with the, the with the Big Ten 
in 48 hours. I mean, they've been vetted, but essentially in 48 hours, be like, yes, because, yeah, people watch Oregon and Washington. People watch Texas and Oklahoma. It's why Florida State and Clemson believe that they might be able to do the same thing if they get their contractual issues with the ACC figured out. That is why. So if it's about creating more interest, then this leads into number three, how much can it help with TV dollars? So can this help your TV dollars and that you've now got? Absolutely. You've got something very different to sell to viewers. I'm going to be harping on this the whole time, but how many more championship games are going to be played? Mm-hmm. How, how, how many people do you think tune in to the FCS championship game? How many people do you think became North Dakota State Bison fans through their whole dominant run? Yeah. Like, you create more winners. People want to follow winners. People who think they have a chance to be a winner are more likely to be more invested fans. Frankly, having so many schools compete for either FCS or FBS and not much more because conference titles have been devalued, I think having more winners that truly mean something gets back to what the sport was more about when conference titles really meant a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, number two, how many leagues would do this? Mountain West, Sunbelt, like if so, the Mountain West and the, and the Pac-2 come together and decide to do this. Do the other ones go, you know what? Let's do this. If, if, if we're on the outside of this, if we're on the outside, then let's just stay on the outside because they've told us. And we're not going to keep trying to fight to get in. We'll fight for our playoff spots, but this will be our, this will be our hook. Because this is a good idea. That, to me, would be really interesting because, you know, if it's just one league doing it, then, yeah, this could be really interesting. But if you can get a bunch of leagues in on this, then, to me, that makes it even more fun. Because you might get some some pretty wild scheduling on, on down at the end of the years. So, Yeah. I, I really don't know how high up relegation might get adopted. But I think if, if the Mountain West and Pac-12, the, the, that group, is willing to – forge into that new direction I think it would be very interesting to monitor because eventually your products that aren't the SEC and the Big Ten might have to look at using it as a way to generate more excitement more revenue more more eyeballs yeah absolutely and number one the P4 not going to do it anytime soon because there's enough schools in both of those that'd be like look we're getting relegated year ooh like right there off the bat. So no, we're going to keep this. We're not going to, we're going to support that. And you also have some big dogs that might be in a funk, yeah. like say Auburn right now. Let's be like, look, no, I'm not going to agree to this. And, and you know, and then be in the other tier. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So Auburn might've been the best example, but they're, they're in a funk. They're, they're not in a funk. They've been in a funk. So like Florida was in a good funk. Yeah. Florida, Florida's in one right now. Like Florida's a a premier program, you know, historically they won three national titles. You kidding me? Yeah. You just tell them like, Hey, sorry. Sorry about your luck. You know, um, you know, I, I don't think they would agree to that, especially with the budgets that they've like, when you, like when you uh, are trying to get more money and you kind of anticipate what the budget's going to be and it's all about the same, these smaller leagues can kind of do that. But when you're expecting $50 million or more dollars a year and then you plan that out for five years and then you're like, well, the football team, so it's not just football too. They're going to do it in all sports. So like if our teams all kind of suck in the same year, well, they won't have to cut $20 million out of the budget. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Like they're, they're just not. They're, they're, so... 
they have thought of that over in Europe. They have parachute payments. It's yeah. not a great system, but yeah. it, it eases that burden of the fall. Either way, there are problems there still. Yeah, absolutely. And I like I, I do think it'll be interesting. And and look, I, I do think that the when they should do it and completely embrace it is if there's ever a super league of like yes. thirty two teams, then you know what? If you're not gonna be in the super league, do this. Exactly. Just do this and in fact I think that would do so much to save those teams, to save the eyeballs that would that would be going to those teams. It it I think it would You might be able to kind of take be, a chunk out of the Super League too. I think it would be just as entertaining to watch as the Super League. Yeah. For absolutely. completely different reasons. Yeah. Because the Super League is not gonna agree to that at all. <laughs> if you're one of the thirty two, you're not gonna be like, well, I'm I'm gonna agree to a system where I could fall out of this. Like I like I would not be surprised if teams that were having a bad year in the Super League, their fans were just like, yeah, I'm going to go pick someone in in this other, the, whatever you want to call it, in the relegation league. Yeah, just absolutely. Because they'd rather root for a winner. People yes. want to root for winners, man. I, I'm going to just keep, that. that's my opinion. I'm going to keep rolling with absolutely. that Absolutely. So thank you to everybody who uh, who watched live today on the chat. Thank you to everybody who will watch later. Uh, Second 365 tonight on the CW at 10.30. Tomorrow, we are on the CW at 4 o'clock for Texas and Baylor pregame. And please, hey, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. If you don't have plans for next Saturday, head on over right down the street from us, Brotherwell Brewing, uh, Saturday, September 30th. They're going to have their Oktoberfest. I know it's not technically October, but it's it might as well be october over there and brother wells uh, excuse to drink some beer oh and it's fantastic it's fantastic beer they're going to have a a special uh fest beer that they brew there on site and they're going to have a live band they're going to have lots of things going on hold on i'm pulling up all the great things they're going to have going on uh live local music from zamora county line a special brewed fest beer made in house grilled brats and freshly baked pretzels cornhole axe throwing uh and uh the party closes with a traditional stein holding competition um uh, mark your calendar now uh, it's Saturday, September 30th, 5 to 9 p.m., and their tap rooms open every day with weekly events and specials. Enjoy their large outdoor beer garden, and don't forget to look at Brotherwell Six-Pack at Central Texas HEBs. It's one of my favorites uh, here in town, and they're, again, they're right down. They're on Bridge Street, right down here from us. A maybe 90-second walk from our studio. Two minutes. Now, it depends on what you're doing. It's a 60-second jog. Like if you, if you book it, you can be there in a minute. But you, you're probably not going to do that because you're going to, you know, want beer pretty quick. And I don't know if you want to sprint and drink beer. Not the best idea. I've done it before. It's never ended well. Paul, let's do a beer mile someday. <laughs> let's you, know, do you know what a beer mile yes, is, Yes, I right? do. I do. I absolutely do. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that and have somebody videotape. We'll put on GoPros like that <laughs> and do that. This is 365 Sports. Have a great football weekend, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock.